Hi, this is Nick Dragata of East of West, and you're listening to the 11 O'Clock Comics Podcast. Oh, that was... You're excited about something. Maybe I am. What is that? I, I saw something today. And I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite happy with how it all came, came out and, and, and finished. And my wife? I did. I did. I found myself. You see, Bob. Yeah, the the, the crunch is finally working. Did you see uh, Bob and Kiss in Santa Claus? Close. It was like Christmas. It was. It was, it was, it was like Hanukkah. And, uh, That woman needs more picking on. Stop picking on Captain America too. Then she she was saying how she it, it, it's she's like Chris. She is ready for a solo Black Widow movie. It's coming. Cool. She is all about it. She she, she could has not she could not get enough of Natasha in this movie, and she thought Winter Soldier was cute. And she is a huge Falcon fan. So she was marking out. That's great. She she really dude. She actually she yelped out loud. And oh no, at one scene, which I won't spoil because I don't know nice. if you've seen it yet. So it, she was all not yeah. I, I who hasn't seen so. the movie yet? I think I think most of the free world has seen the movie. Most of, well, yes, it was exceptional. I it thought really it was, was. fantastic. Yeah. It was absolutely, it's, it is. Uh, it has become my favorite superhero movie of all time. I think so. I, I mean, I yeah. thought Captain America was already my favorite uh, of the Marvel movies oh, outside yeah. of Avengers. Yeah. I like Avengers the best, but outside of the the single Easily. character ones, and so I thought yeah. this would have a good chance of that, but this was flawless. And to your point, yeah. David, you know, I think it's ever more with each passing Marvel movie, Iron Man Two is further and further down my my yeah, no, because I, and, I agree. and one of the reasons is how poorly I th- I mean I don't know if she just wasn't into the role then or maybe it was a director thing, but I thought she was that's, that's a bad, pretty that's terrible a, in Black Widow. It's, it's just a bad movie. It's just a bad yeah. It, it was the um there were. As, as we're, because it's still fresh, I don't want to say, oh, it's absolutely my, my, my favorite of all, but it is, it's, it's up there. And, and as we're driving home, I'm, I'm running things through my head and I'm like, well, that scene, there's one scene towards the end where I thought was pretty silly for one particular character to do. I thought, I, I thought there was pretty flawed thinking, but then as I, as I recall it and playing it through my head, it actually made sense why he did what he did, but it was, it was really, really well done movie. And I can't, I can't even wrap my head around how how this is all going to because I still haven't seen Thor two, but I don't quite know how we're going to. I did see the the the, the credit scene, but I'm not sure how we're going to get to Avengers two. Like at least with Phase one, they were all big superhero fights, and it made sense. Well, and there was Avengers know, one, and that was I, the end do, of Phase do, one. Well, I I I think there's just a but a, we a had. Bit, a, well, I, I would my my guess is that it's Vince cover your ears. No, you no, 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 no. I know my, my my guess is that it's going to be a threat that is so big that that shield would be needed to that, handle yeah, it. Has to come together, and yeah. it and and it's mm-hmm. and, and I I can see it going near. But we've had whereas the the phase one were all big superhero fight movies. Here you have you have Iron Man three, which was Tony. 
starting over from scratch and being beaten down. You, I, I said, I haven't seen Thor two, but but Captain America two is 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 an espionage spy political type thriller, and it's and, yeah. and it's it's different than any other super. Apparently, from uh, the internet, you you can't do with established characters because that would just be absolutely not. No, you can't. Yeah, well, let's not I'm, get too far on a tangent I'm, here. I'm me. going. I'm going to call Captain America two basically the anti Man of Steel movie. Nice. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Nice. That's fair. Thank Krypton. Got the character right, for sure. Oh yes. And, and you don't have to possess the infinity. Oh, wait a wow, minute. There no. you go. Bad bro. segue. Yes. Hey, look at this. Eleven o'clock comics. Uh, what? Three hundred and twelve? Is it? And I'm Vince B. And I'm terribly out of practice. <laughs> yes, you are Vince B. But you'll you'll get right back on the horse. Uh, I'm Christopher Neesman. You are Christopher Neesman. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and fresh, fresh off the reservation, I'm Dashel Badhorse. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, you're not. And you won't Drinking get the fire water, though. at discount nice. comic book service. You'll get your comics for damn cheap. Nice. 35 to, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. 35 to 75% off sometimes, even more, whatever. You can get Big Trouble in Little China from Boom. Boom. Oh, neat. 50% off. Yes. Eric Powell wrote it. Brian Chirillo drew it. I like that Brian Trilla. Uh, he is good stuff. He's awesome. He's awesome. It's going to cost you a dollar ninety nine. From Image, you get the Dead Body Road by Justin Jordan and Matteo Scalera. Ooh. Half price on this too, seven dollars and forty nine cents. And from Dynamite, it's the Doc Savage Archives hardcover volume one, culling the old Marvel stuff. One nice thick volume. Cover price is fifty bucks. Your price twenty four ninety nine. That's fifty percent yes, off. Sir. Are you going to get this? Nowhere else but Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. They are the best. We're in a hurry, as you yeah. can tell. Oh, but but because- real quick, uh, uh, Uncanny X-Men um, Volume 2 that uh, picks up the uh, the Phoenix Saga the bus, the is, yeah, the Omnibuy is at InStockTrades.com, the sister uh, store, for 50 bucks right now. That is great. Yeah. That's amazing. Drink roll call. Um, are we are we going to hold on to the drink roll call? Yeah, let's, no. no, let's do it. Oh, let's do it. Okay, lay it out, lay it out right. for the people. Out. I, I got um, something well, special on for the occasion. Okay. okay, well, since it's a special occasion, we'll let Vince go first. Nice water. I'm drinking oh, water. Come on, Vince. Water. Even tonight? Are you fucking kidding me? Vince, water. Tonight, it, dude. No, it's not just water now. Back up. It's peach water. Mm. Come on. All right, let's move on. Where yes, do you find the best? Where do you find the best peaches? Georgia, David. South. Come on. Oh God. All right. Uh, I am, I'm, I'm drinking some 1792 Ridgemont Reserve Barrel Select Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Nice. That sounds yummy. It is yummy. All right, Jason, you said you pulled out something special. For you, I mean, as much as for the occasion, but I, I knew I would make you smile. I'm drinking something that was gifted to me and I had not opened it, so I cracked it open. Some Knob Creek Single Barrel Reserve, the nine year old bourbon. Haven't had that. Yet. Nice, yeah, the single barrel. That's uh, nice. nice. It's that's excellent. Nice you know, I'm not. I'm still trying to become more savvy to the ways of the bourbons and the whiskeys, mm-hmm. but uh, I've been sipping on this just casually uh, for, let's say, the last 40 minutes now, and it's delicious. It really is quite good. It uh, nice. it uh, it has like a little, just a teeny bit of sweetness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's like vanilla or something, maybe, but but it's it. I need that. I need that to cut. Into the to the harshness of, of of the bourbon, so it, I think it's great. Yeah, just throw you a, like a single ice cube in there, chill it mm-hmm. a little bit, open it up. And yeah, yeah, disco. It's awesome. Um, 
Well, in honor of uh, of our special guest that we're going to dial in here in a second, I'm uh, drinking from one of my very favorite uh, breweries, and it is The Brewery out of uh, Orange County, California. And you guys know that uh, uh, I'm a big fan of sours in the summertime, but we're still kind of holding on. If I can old man winter um flipped us off on his way out the uh yeah. the door this week and snowed on us so i still need to uh to have some of the you know the the stouts for the for the winter season so this is perfect this is their tart of darkness and it is a sour stout that is uh oak barrel beige oak barrel aged so it's uh it's still a still a dark beer still it's got some body to it but it is uh it's definitely a sour so it's uh it's it's kind of hinting that that spring is around the corner here so uh anything from the brewery is good and they uh they make wonderful sours so there you go the tart of darkness tart mm-hmm. be shitting on my peaches Never mind. whatever go ahead <laughs> All right, folks. Well, usually you're used to hearing the four of us pontificate for a few hours, and occasionally we uh, we grant you a guest just to keep things fresh. But uh, tonight we're classing up the joint. I don't know how we did it, but somehow we uh, we decided to get serious this this week. Um, we have a special guest. He doesn't know it yet, but I think he's going to decide after tonight's uh, chat with us to be our fifth co-host. Uh, Ooh. But uh, <laughs> but I'm probably putting the card before the horse. So our guest uh, in the span of I'd say about the last seven years has evolved from one of the most promising emerging talents, I think, into a not hyperbole into one of the industry's uh, best and most respected writers. Um, For real. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He's a, a guy that's, uh, I think, equally at home spinning major Marvel events uh, or, as we're going to talk about tonight, uh, character-driven, creator-owned stories. Um He's he's been the recipient of of our own annual award, best writer award, for more than one occasion in the last six years, um, and he is, uh, I guess, most directly the man behind the highly anticipated Image comic that's dropping in two weeks, April thirtieth, uh, along with his co-creator and artist Jason Latour. We are thrilled to welcome to the show tonight none other than Mr. Jason Aaron. Wow! Hey, thanks, guys. Rolled that red carpet out for you, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. really did. I don't right. know if they get told that I'm classing the joint up, so I don't know if that <laughs> speaks to how low the bar is set. I was going to say, oh, yeah. yeah, it's a low bar. It's yeah. a low, believe <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it, but it's easy it, to read. It is a dirt floor bar, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. I feel right at home then. Nice. Thanks so much for joining us. It's, uh, it's, it's been a long time coming. We're psyched that you could, uh, spend a little time to talk with us and it's, it's well timed because you know, I think it was uh, at at Image Expo that you and 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 Jason, that the, the nation of Jason, announced your new creator own work, and uh, and it's uh, it's finally ready to drop. So we have all uh, had the opportunity to uh, devour it, and uh, are thrilled to talk about it with you. So, congrats on Southern Bastards, and um, uh, you must be pretty excited that it's finally hitting the stands. Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I, I, the, I spent six, six, seven years of my life doing Scalped, which was my big previous creator owned book. So when that ended, you know, I had a span there where for a while I, I didn't have anything, uh, creator owned. So yeah, it feels good to, to, to be getting back to that and certainly, uh, doing my first uh, image book. You know, it's a different experience. This is, this is your, it is your first image book. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, other side was Vertigo, right? 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had done. I did like a, a Top Cow book, I, one of those Top Cow pilot season mm-hmm. books uh, back in the day, but uh, never anything you know, like a full on image book. So yeah, this is me diving into the you know the creator own end of the pool uh, fully um, for the first time. So uh, it's you know it's been an interesting experience. It's very um, for for folks that um, that have read your your stuff in, in the past. Well, you know, obviously this being creator owned, would you say um, scalped? That this this probably resembles scalped compared to some of your other stuff, or or is this? Do you think this is you know completely new? You know, how would you describe Southern Bastards for people that are already kind of familiar with your work as far as like tone and vibe and that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's similar, you know, it's a crime story. So yeah, it's going to be similar to Scalped. Um, you know, I, I think just the difference between, uh, Aram Guerra, who drew most of Scalped and Jason Latour, you know, who's my co-creator on Southern Bastards, that, that's really the main difference. I think those guys in, you know, influence, uh, the book a lot because, you know, it's very much a collaboration, especially with a creator on book. I mean, you're, you're creating everything, you know, from the ground up together. Um, so, so both of those guys had a very strong hand in what those books, um, have become. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of Latour and Southern Bastards. So I think it's, it's probably quirkier and, and funnier than Scalped, which I know funnier than Scalped is not exactly a, <laughs> say that it's a comedy masterpiece. Like there, well, there I mean, are many things that, there are many things that are less funny than Scalped. I was going to say when when a book starts out with a dog taking a dump on the first page, I think that's uh, that's indicative that we're going to get a little bit of a at least at points less severely serious and dramatic tone that we got in Scalped. Yeah. Sure, with the sound effect too. Don't forget the little <laughs> plop that 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 really made it. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean that that was in the script, I, but that was I wrote that as like a panel, one panel on like a four panel page, and it was Latour who turned it into a double page splash. <laughs> Complete with an Image Comics Presents. Yes. Nice. Nice. Uh, which I thought was great. I like the idea of that being our, our opening statement. One of, one of the things I really like about Jason's, uh, art and his, his artistic style, and it, I, you know, I put it right there with, um, with Aram Gora, is that the, and, um, uh, Eduardo Rizzo, is that all three of those guys, they, tell they tell stories that are almost off camera you know it's stuff that goes on in the background they they still they tell stories with within stories just through the art that you know it's I, i've i've always wanted to ask um azarillo if he had rizzo do that intentionally or if that was was rizzo kind of you know doing these little side stories do you and do you and jason kind of talk about that you know does he kind of do these little nuggets in his art just on his own or is that collaborative whenever you whenever that happens um well i mean depends i mean i think a lot of that does just come from those guys um you know gear on scalped would add add, uh, so much life um, to, to the backgrounds and stuff that I, you know, I, wasn't in the script. Um, and Latour, Latour is very proud of the fact that for this first issue of Southern Bastards that he managed to work in, I think three different, uh, cartoon figures. So there's like, a his, uh, uh, Sugar Jug character, which is like a, a sweet tea version of Kool-Aid Man. It's on the, the, the <laughs> kid that we meet in issue one. That's on his t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Then there's the the pig mascot for the barbecue place, and then there's I think a 
a polar bear that he drew onto an ice machine in the barbecue restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that's all him. He's always looking to to work stuff into the the background, just bring the you know the 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 world to life, which is what that's yeah, and that's um, that's you said it much more eloquently than I did. It, it's world building. It's it's creating the the layer these very textured environments that you know it, it's not just about the characters that are front and center it's like there's a world going on around them and yeah they're incredible about doing that sure yeah you know i think it even goes beyond that because latour is so good to the point where you could tell the personalities of the characters even before they open their mouths <laughs> like when we first no when we first meet earl he's this huge beefy burly kind of guy but he's got this slight hunch as if there's this huge weight on his shoulders, and that's how the story pans out. I mean, the guy's dragging this huge weight through his life, and it's all about his father, right? So, I mean, to just get that from a almost a gestural drawing, where it, it, the, the tour is amazing. I've, I've loved his stuff, but this is, like, far beyond anything I've seen him do. Sure, I, I think it helps that for both of us, this is something that's, you know, close to our hearts. This is about kind of where we grew up, or we're both from the South, so... Um... I think there's something easier about it. You know, it's like this is the kind of book we've both been waiting to do for quite sure. a long time. Actually, um, that's, that's one of the things I was going to ask was how long – was this something that you and Jason – that was this an idea you came up with or you both worked on or, or chew the fat about it? And, and I just – how long has this been inside you guys? Well, it started as a, a scalped idea, um, really oh, the, the idea for the – for Coach Boss is, is kind of the main uh, bad guy, the main bastard that we'll meet in, in Southern Bastards. He started out as an idea for a, a crime boss and scalped. Hmm. It would, uh, uh, you know, the, the idea of a, of a football coach who's also, um, you know, the, the local, <laughs> crime, local lord. crime lord. Yeah, okay. Um, which initially I was thinking of him as, you know, football coach in Nebraska or Oklahoma or somewhere, but it, it never... Because football coaches down south have no power in the communities that they're in. <laughs> well, I just mean in terms of, <laughs> uh, in relation to scout. You know, I was thinking of yeah. as a bad guy for scout. Um, no, I mean, certainly this, you know, with Southern Bastards, it plays into the, the idea of, of football coaches as, you know, lords of the community. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know, Bear Bryant for years was... Uh, the most powerful man in the state of Alabama, regardless of who the governor was. <clears throat> there was no question about that. Sure, uh, sure. You know, and, and Nick Saban, I'm sure, could get away with many murders uh, right now in the state of Alabama if he if he so desired. Uh, as long as he keeps winning championships. Right. As long as he didn't get in <laughs> a, you know, a jury of Auburn fans, he would be okay. Yeah. Um, I've never – are you a Drive-By Truckers fan? Oh, yeah. I love Drive-By Truckers. Okay. It's, yeah, because every time I hear, you know, Bear Bryant and and Alabama and your governor. It always makes me think of Southern Rock Opera, which could very much be a soundtrack to a lot of the stuff that 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 you write. That seems I will listen to music whenever I read comics, and I end up listening to a lot of Drive By Truckers whenever I'm reading Jason Aaron comics. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I think that fits perfectly for Southern Bastards. They've got yeah. that. I think that trio of uh, Buford Pusser songs. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Voice from Alabama and Cotton Seed and um and so that's you know, that's of course right up Southern Bastards Alley. Yep. Mm. That's awesome. So Jason, so, um you know you know, one of the things that, that I 
I laughed. I remember reading something that you said uh, some time ago where you, you said something to the effect like you couldn't draw a lick, uh, that you know, you're not artistic in that way. So working with Latour, who is not only a terrific cartoonist, but is himself a writer, in fact, has taken over the duties on Wolverine and the X-Men after, after you left. Um, does that, does working with a guy who is both a, a writer and a cartoonist in any way change the dynamic of how you collaborate with him versus say someone that's, you know, more purely an illustrator? Um, or, or just, is it really case by case depending on who you work with? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's always case by case. I mean, I think the biggest difference of working with Latour as opposed to a lot of stuff I do is that he's a guy I was already friends with. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's kind of rare in this business. There has been for me that you, that you get to work with your friends. Um, you know, most of the, the Marvel stuff I do, the work for hire stuff, <clears throat> um, you know, I'm working with artists that, I may never meet in person, may never talk to, you know, sometimes don't even exchange emails with. It's just kind of, wow. you're both part of the machine and everything kind of goes through, through Marvel. And so, um, you know, that's sort of the nature of the beast. So it's very rare when I get to do stuff with guys I know, you know, I did, I did a few issues of Ghost Rider years ago with Tony Moore, which those right. were really special because he was, um, he lived like, you know, 10 minutes away from my house at the time and we were good friends. So. Um, working with Latour has been like that. He and I have done a couple things here and there. We did some Wolverine stuff. He drew an issue of Scalped. Um, so yeah, it is different when you, when you're working with a guy that you already know pretty well, that you already talk to on the phone all the time. Um, and you know, this is, we're co-creators on this. This is ours. It's an image book. So we're, it's also kind of like your head of your own little business. You know, I mean, we have to hire if we want to, an editor, we have to hire an editor. We have to hire the letterer. We have to make sure everybody gets paid. And so you're, it's very much like you're suddenly we're a married couple in charge of our own little family. Um, you know, in, in, in all aspects in the creative part and in the business part of doing, doing something like this. So yeah, that, it's very different, but I, you know, I, I think I had the same sort of uh, relationship with Gira and Scout that developed over time. It's just right. the difference with this is that. Kind of Jason and I are going into this from the ground floor with already that sort of relationship. Yeah. So you, you mentioned editors and, uh, you know, going you know, way back to, you know, one of the, the first times we talked, you kind of woke me up to, um, how important the, the editor creator relationship can be when how you, how you talked about Will Dennis. And do, do you, I'm, I'm assuming Will is not, he's not an image editor. So, um, and he hasn't been your only editor, but whenever you do a, a book like this, is, do you miss that kind of, that relationship? Do you have someone editing Southern Bastards? Uh, yeah, we have Sebastian Gurner, who, who okay. used to be at Marvel, who I'd worked with there. He was editor on, um, a, a lot of my Punisher Max stuff and some of my Ghost Rider stuff. So, um, yeah, he's the guy I put in that same category. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been very fortunate. I've had lots of good experiences, uh, with editors. You know, you hear, you know, you hear horror stories all the time, but, um, you know, I mean, a good editor makes the, the book better. Um, sure. And, and pretty much in my entire career in comics is really based on two editors, uh, Will Dennis at Vertigo and Axel Alonzo at Marvel. <clears throat> um, you know, Axel, of course, has moved up the ladder, so doesn't really edit anything anymore. But everything I've gotten in comics started with those two guys. Uh, pretty, which, good, pretty good company. Yeah. Right. But, and, you know, it wasn't a coincidence either. I, I tell people all the time, 
when they're trying to break into comics, you know, don't just, don't just chase after any editor that's available. Um, you know, just cause you get their email address or you see them at a convention doesn't mean they're the, the editor you should be throwing your pitches at or your books at or whatever. You gotta kind of do your homework and, and target who you go after. So, I mean, for me, um, you know, I, I sat down and very consciously looked at the books I liked to read at the time, and and the vast majority of them were edited by Will Dennis and Axel Alonzo. So, yeah. you know, those are the two guys I sent my stuff to, and so you know, it's not a coincidence that those are the the guys I wind up doing the bulk of my stuff with. Um, you know, and, and Will especially had a huge influence on Scout and really shaped um, what that book became. You know, the first version I pitched to him was a very different story than than what what unfolded over the course of those 60 issues. Um, was so, was he your was he your editor on other side? Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's it's it's one of my one of my prouder moments is is way back whenever we had you on AC and it was for the other side and you actually I think for the, it was the first time you had um um said anything about scalp. So I claim oh, that, yeah? that that the that the world the that the the breaking news <laughs> came out on our old, our old podcast and um um there's some news about scalp here recently. Yeah, exactly. I mean Congratulations. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, I definitely, you know, you probably could see what you could talk about here, but I guess referring to the fact that, uh, WGN America has announced that, uh, they're optioned scalped for a possible TV series. So congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I can say is that it's in development. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I guess we've, we've experienced this from like Bendis and some of the other guys that have had options. I mean, we understand that there's a, a long road from here to there. But, sure. uh, you know, Scalped is, uh, you know, no hyperbole is, is definitely one of my favorite series of all time. That's, uh, it's why I'm a big fan of yours. So, uh, I'm, I'm totally psyched that, uh, at least there's the chance that we'll see it serialized because I think it'd be a perfect, perfectly serialized, you know, uh, TV show. It'd be awesome. So, you know, on, on that, on that note with, and, and then I'll shut up because I'm, um, buttoning in too much <laughs> with, with, with now seeing, you know, we, we mentioned, um, uh, Brian Bendis with Powers, it's getting yet another, um, new lease on life. It's, um, what, one of the, one of the, um, uh, it's Netflix, Amazon, one of those is, has, has got an end development. I forget. Um, no, is, it, is it Xbox? Wasn't it, it was something? Uh, yes. Or PlayStation, maybe? Yeah, one of, one of those. Do you, I mean, and, and you, you told us long ago that, that, that Hollywood was a, a nice place to visit, but you don't ever want to live there. But now with all of the new outlets to see different properties developed, not just, not just network, not just movies, not just cable, but now with the streaming services that are creating content, how's that changing things for you guys as far as like all of the different places that you can go and and sell your properties for you know a different you know a different video use um i don't really know i mean Um, i mean do you guys do you guys talk about that you know like yeah and and go oh well you know hey i'd love to get this on netflix or you know it's i mean how much is it changing what you guys do you know in the in just as different possibilities to to option your properties I mean, it doesn't change what I do. I mean, I still, you know, spend spend almost every hour of my day writing comics. Um, I mean, I have an agent who deals with all that sort of stuff. So, 
I'm sure it affects her job and there are a lot more, um, you know, opportunities of where you can shop things around, but, uh, I'm still kind of just a comic book writer and I, you know, I'm always open to opportunities that come along and certainly if we're talking about, uh, one of my books being adapted, definitely, you know, I want to be involved in that, but, um, yeah, I'm still not, still not looking to move away from Kansas. I'm still not looking to, to, you know, walk away from comics. Um, I'm, I love what I do and I, I, I love the, that I'm getting back into creator own stuff. I love still, you know, enjoy what I'm doing for Marvel. So, um, so we, so we might see Southern bastards on the Wii U at some point. <laughs> sure. I think it'd be a great show. But I guess uh, we won't see you moving next door to Kirkman in LA. It sounds like. No, probably soon. not. Probably not. I, I mean, again, you know, I'm, That'd be a handsome block, though. Never say never, right? (laughs) There might be too many Southerners in in Hollywood at one time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I you know, for the longest time, I've still felt like I'm so new to comics. You know, I I look at guys like Mark Wade, you know, who I have a lot of respect for, and Mm -hmm. uh, he's written he's written so many comics. Uh, I still feel like I'm, you know, figuring out what I'm doing there and still building my career in comics, and I'm not looking to jump ship to uh, to the next thing, but. You know, hey Jason, I, I think you've arrived. I don't think you can ever afford to get too comfortable. You know, I don't ever want to get to that point in my life where I look around and think, "Oh, like, uh, okay, I got this. I know what I'm doing." Yeah, I think I, that's, I think that's great. Day. That's a great perspective. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I remember, um, I remember an interview on uh, on Word Balloon, John Suntress, years ago because he always has Bendis on. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I assume you probably know Bendis reasonably well now after doing, you know, so much Marvel work and collaborating together. But I remember he said something in an interview once that, that always struck me. And, and I have, I have no desire to ever be a comic book creator, although I'm obviously it's my passion in terms of as a fan. Um, I remember Bendis saying sort of, and it was at the apex, I think, of him being quote unquote Bendis that he's always been mindful of the fact that, uh, you know, there's always, there's always someone at the top of the mount, and then um, if you look back in comics history a few years later, they're not at the top anymore. And you know, he was saying it in the sense that you know, it's uh, he loves the business and he wants to stay in it, but you always have to stay hungry and you always have to stay focused because you know history makes it tough for someone to stay at the very top of the industry for a long time. And um, I thought that was really interesting to hear him say that at the time because arguably he was you know at the peak. You know, during that moment, so it was very self-aware, and it's nice to hear that you kind of have that same awareness because I, I think it's good perspective. But uh, um, sure, I mean, yeah, certainly you look back over history, and and it seems like um, you know, comic book writers seem to have an expiration date. A lot of them, like you, you, you never stay that uh, that hot for very long. So I, I think these days, you know, as opposed to in the past, we have the benefit of being able to branch out and, and do our own stuff, which, you know, guys didn't always have. So um, that's why I'm a huge proponent of, of taking advantage of that. And, and again, I, I'm very happy with Marvel. And obviously my entire career has been built upon the stuff I've done at Marvel. But, um, you know, it, it just makes sense for a lot of different reasons to, to do stuff that you own and control. Um, you know, which I'd want to do business reasons aside, just creatively. Um, you know, I like being able to, to mix it up. I love being able to write something like Southern Bastards and then turn around and write an issue of Thor or X-Men or, or sure. whatever. Well, listen, I have to ask, I mean, so 
if I'm not mistaken, your your son's name is is Dash, right? Named named not coincidentally after Dashel uh, from from Scalp. So are you going to name if you have a second kid, are you going to name him Earl? <laughs> uh, no, we're I'm, I'm done procreating at this point. Okay, <laughs> fair uh, maxed enough. out on that. But uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the the dashes kind of came or they were born around the same time. Um, Which came it, first, the the baby or the book? The the baby came first, but they oh, okay. again they were they were named you know they were all they were all uh, gestating around the same time. Mm-hmm. So I, was, you know, I went from being a single guy working a warehouse job to to get married and having a kid and writing comics for a living all in a kind of a short span of time sure. there, all all at once. Well, you know, you 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 made the mention that you sort of feel like you still have a lot to prove. I mean. Um, if I'm not mistaken, like you won that Marvel writing contest, what, 12, 13 years ago? Um, yeah. And, and yeah. so, so from, I guess from, from like our perspective, I, I, I look at your career and I think, well, it's been 13 plus years in the making, right? Like you've, you've had a long journey, but to hear you say you feel like you have a lot to prove, I mean, do you, as you sit here today, like coming fresh off of the latest Marvel creative summit, like do you feel like you're still new to the game? Like personally, I mean, do you sit there and still feel that way? No, I mean, I, I don't feel new to the game. I feel, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I, I look around and see guys who've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Sure. Um, a lot more, you know, scalps under their, their belt, so to speak. Uh, no, I mean, I, you know, when I go to those retreats and I, I feel very comfortable. I feel like I, I've got a grasp on how this thing works, but you know, it's more just, um, I, 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 I don't want to get to that point where I feel too comfortable, you know, where, where again, where it seems like, like, okay, I, I've, I've reached the, I've reached high enough. Now I can just coast the rest of the way. I, um, I think that'd be a dangerous point to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I, I always want to feel like I have something to learn and something to prove and, and that there, that I can always challenge myself, um, to do something different. Um, and, you know, and sometimes that may work out and sometimes you may fail, but I think it's more interesting to, to try stuff that, that may or may not work out than to just, you know, to say, okay, I'm going to keep hitting the same note for the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. What, what, what other kind of genre work do you want to do? If any, uh, a, a lot of different stuff. I, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to say too much. I'll say that the next book I do with Gera, you know, who I co-created Scout, we, we know what our next book will be. Um, it'll be something, something completely different. Uh, than anything I've ever done before, uh, genre-wise and really in every way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of different stuff I want to do. I still feel like I've just scratched the surface. Nice. You still have that I'm great gonna... romance comic in you, I can tell, Jason. <laughs> I would I would write a romance comic just for you, Chris. You know, it's, do you still want to do a Yo Gaba Gaba comic? Oh, you stole my question. Ah, <laughs> sorry. I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote yeah, a Yo Gabba Gabba comic. I wrote a, well, a story. I wrote, mm-hmm. it was going to be me and, and Sean Crystal was going to draw it. And I wrote it. Uh, Oni's got it sitting in there. That's so bizarre. I, I just, I never, just looked at Sean Crystal about. today. That's bizarre. That's odd. That's, that's, that's a, that's a quirk of. Well, he may, he may not have written an actual romance comic in the traditional sense, but the, the, the love letter I'm getting from him is, is Thor God of Thunder. Okay. <laughs> I no can't. It's, it, it is definitely one of my, and and we've we've said it as as the run as as the first arc and or two arcs where we're God coming Butcher. out that yeah mm-hmm. God Butcher and God Bomb that that this that 
that storyline is deserves to be on the same shelf as Simonson's run. Yeah, it's, it's right it's, up there with Simonson. It is. It's right it's up there. Fantastic stuff, man. Yep. And, I, and, and, and I don't. I I just who you must have just albums upon albums of compromising photos. I have no idea how the hell you get to work with so many of these great artists. It, I mean, Ribic on Thor got a thunder. You've worked with you've worked with um Ron Garney on Weapon X and on uh Thor God of Thunder, but I and and Scalped and Wolverine and the X Men, you've had a ton of people. It's just you we've talked about other writers who just team seem to team up and and work really well with with other artists, but I mean, you just you've taken it to a whole other level. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think I've been lucky um, in that respect. Um, but I think you know it is nice when you can find uh, a couple of those people that that you seem to hit it off with uh, and, and who you want to work with again. So uh, Ron Garney is a guy I've worked with on a lot of different stories. Now we've done a lot of different Wolverine stuff. We did a Captain yeah. America book, Thor, um, and we've actually got. Um, uh, something else coming out later this year. Um, I'll say we're actually we haven't talked about this at all, but we're actually doing a creator own book that will nice. be announcing very uh, cool later this summer, probably. So, um, which was actually the the um, first creator thing, creator own thing I wrote post Scout. I actually started writing it before Southern Bastards. Um, so, uh, yeah, and Esad's a guy I'd worked with. We, we did a, a Wolverine one shot, which was really fun. Um, and you know, he was obviously the perfect choice, uh, to do Thor. So it is fun. You know, like I said, at Marvel, sometimes you work with those guys where you just kind of, you know, shuffled on the projects and shuffled off just the nature of the beast. There's not time really to develop that relationship. So it is really nice when you, when you, when you, uh, have those artists that you can develop that relationship with. Um, you know, just like director, movie directors who work with the same actors over and over yeah. again. It's right, right. nice to kind of have that, that consistency. Um, especially, you know, like with Ron, he and I have done very different projects. You know, we've done, uh, you know, gritty sort of uh, espionage Wolverine stories. We did crazy sci-fi. We did, you know, Thor, which was insane fantasy stuff. Um, and then the new thing we're doing. So it, it's, it's, I think that's fun. That's fun to work with the same same artist on so many different projects. Well, I'm going to weasel my way in here now. Have time. Okay. Uh, yeah, at the risk of sounding like I'm kissing your ass, I got to <laughs> say, I want to talk about Southern Bastards because we've read all your stuff and, and the guys just told you about it, but I think there's something really special about this book. Um, and there's two things really, really resonated with me with this first issue, and I'll try and tease them because... Not many people have read this yet, and I don't want to spoil anything for, for those who do, but I've been around deep fryers for probably a third of my life, <laughs> and, and I have firsthand uh, accounts of the damage that stuff can do to the human skin. Mm, sure. I, I, I almost dropped the iPad when, when the, <laughs> that, that, that scene went down because I know the pain that 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 uh, uh Esau was his name I know the pain that guy endured mm-hmm. when, okay we'll just leave it at that sure. and I two think anybody who's worked in a restaurant or a kitchen knows, yeah. probably knows that pain I've stuck my hand in a deep fur oh no what yeah yeah I have nice. I, it, it's not pleasant it's not pleasant um and the second thing was and again not to spoil it but the scene towards the end of the book where Earl kind of 
confronts his father's legacy, let's say. Yeah. I, I thought that was poetry. It was so beautifully done. And uh, the way, like, the jump cuts in it uh, as you go yeah. different periods right, in right. time. Oh, my God, that scene is just beautiful. And it, it, the, the whole book, this is where I'm leading, the whole book just seemed to, to resonate with me strong, more strongly than, than, say, the Ghost Rider stuff. Not that that stuff is bad, but, I mean, we all love those characters, but there's something about this book that that is just so powerful and i can't put my finger on it i mean as a first issue i think it was one of the better ones i've read in such a long time uh i mean you did everything you needed to do you you introduce us to the characters you give them the reason for being uh the setting is so vivid in this this croc county and and you you set up the antagonist and you, you there's mysteries already like yeah. with, um with um earl's father what led him to that confrontation we see in the beginning of the issue? I want to know how he got there. Right, right. You know, there's just so many things unco- left to be uncovered. It's just, I'm, I'm so excited for this book. Cool, thanks. Yeah, of course, there's also the mystery of who Earl is um, calling on his phone. Keeps, exactly. It's, it's Diane from some, Twin Peaks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Um, yeah, I mean, the, thanks. Yeah, I, I was happy with how the first issue came together. I actually had to cut some stuff out um I, I had way too much in there at first so we were gonna i mean the issue as it is now is is 29 pages so it's yeah. already um, yeah. bigger but uh really the the kind of the ending of issue two was where i thought we could end at issue one uh but uh, that was that was crazy of me to think so it, it's i mean i think it's kind of a slow build issue one i think it you know, I think that. this whole first arc will kind of build and build and build and build mm-hmm. until everything sort of explodes. So, I, you know, I really, really the the first four issues of this book are really kind of the pilot episode. So, um, okay. you don't you don't really know what's going on or what the book is about until you get to the end of issue four. Oh, do nice. you um? Yeah. Do you do you see this as being um? You know, do you have an end in sight? I guess, or is this an open-ended series? You, just, you know, how how long do you see this running? Uh, well, well, both. I mean, I you know, I definitely got an end. I know what the ending ending is story-wise. I don't know issue number-wise. Okay. Um, you know, I I think I always feel like when I walk into the story, I got to know uh, wh- where it's headed, uh, where <laughs> we're going to wind up, uh, which goes back to when. When Azarillo gave me so much shit uh, when I was first pitching scalps and I didn't know what the ending was. Oh and really? He gave me he gave me a lot. Of, it's like, well, you better figure it out. So, so I did. But I, you know, I always, uh, whenever I start a story, I gotta feel like I know where I'm headed, even if I don't know exactly how long it'll take to get there. So, um, and Southern Bastards will be like scalped, and that they'll. Uh, we'll be a lot of characters, you know, we've only met a couple of them so far, so we'll continue to expand and explore, uh, the worlds. Um, so there'll be a lot of opportunities to, to shift gears and go focus on somebody different from arc to arc, from issue to issue. Um, so there'll be a lot of that, but yeah, there'll be an overarching story, which you'll, you'll, you know, you'll start to get a clear picture of over the course of the next few issues. Uh, you'll, you'll sort of see where things are headed. Very cool. So if, yeah, thing, if things go well, we'll be in for a good long run on this, much like we were with Scout. Yeah, that's the idea. I don't know if it's if it's sixty issues or thirty issues, but um, you know, we'll just kind of see once once we get into it. And um, 
uh, we'll see. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I know going in, I'd like to mix things up and that, uh, you know, Jason will be drawing the bulk of it as much as he can. We'll probably, from time to time, uh, bring in different artists for an issue here, issue there. Um, and then I'd also, uh, you know, we want Latour to be able to write an issue here or there too, or oh, nice. here or there. So, and um, that's when you'll draw your issue, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can do a variant cover something. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Let Let's talk about Earl for a, a couple minutes. Uh, great character. Um, but as I'm reading the issue, I'm thinking, man, the apple does not fall far from the tree because his father Bert was once the sheriff of the this town that you set up, this Craw County. And in order to be sheriff, to desire a position like that, you got to have real strong feelings about justice, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're teased with that scene with, with Bert taking on all those men and and uh, how that got there, we, we don't know. But Earl comes back to this town after so many years, and he's just like his daddy, just can't walk away. I mean, he tried because he, sure. he was gone for so long. I was say, but, he was gone for 40 years. Right. But see, that's the thing. That, that desire to, to finish, to see things complete. I mean, he comes back. What made him come back? Yeah. He, he's working under, you know, the, the, the guy said he's cleaning out the house from his uncle who's in a, in a, a nursing home now. But he, the thing that got me was in, in the, in the restaurant, he just, couldn't walk away. That's what baffled me too. I agree that that scene that you referenced with the friar that in the whole book, and I've read the issue three times now, I thought there's, I hope, and I'm sure we will because it's Jason writing it, that we get some sense as to why he felt compelled to jump into the fray there when a few pages before it's pretty clear he'd be just as fine if that dude didn't recognize him and just thought he was a stranger. Yeah. So it's like, what is it about this dude that he couldn't resist saving the guy from imminent danger? So I'm with you. This and the is, guy's not doing him any favors. Right, right, Dusty, right, right I yeah. mean, he, he calls him out, but yet he still steps in front into the fray just to save somebody who he hasn't seen in like 40 years. Is it sometimes you just can't help yourself? Well, um, I mean, I think it, from what little you know of Earl at this point, it should be obvious that he's not exactly a guy who's going off and lived a completely fulfilling life. But, yeah. Um, he doesn't seem the world's happiest, most content guy. So even though he's an old man, he comes back home and clearly, um, you know, it, it still irks him. It still bugs him that he's never been able to, to get out of his dad's shadow. Uh, you know, he's literally standing in the shadow of this giant tree growing out of his dad's grave. And he's, He's never really been able to shake that off, the legacy of his father, for for good or for bad. I mean, we don't really even know anything about his dad at this point other than he was a a badass sheriff who who carried a big stick. Um, You know, from what Dusty says about him just offhandedly, that um, he was an asshole, Uh, which kind of goes back to those drive-by trucker songs about Buford Pusser. You know, they you kind of get both sides of the story uh, in those songs where it's, yeah, the, the, to a lot of people, Buford Pusser was a hero, but not to everybody. To some people, he was a he was, he was, an full, asshole. He was a huge asshole. Yeah. He was completely full of shit. So, you know, the, I think for Southern Bastards, the jury's still out at this point as to who was Big Burt Tub, and and that's you know we'll continue to explore that too. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, with Earl, I think you don't really know 
what's driving him right now, other than the fact that um, he's never really done what he's supposed to do. And he doesn't really know what that is or who he's supposed to be. Um, There's it's always been something missing in his life, mm-hmm. and, and he's angry about that and resentful, and, you know, he's an old man who's still bristling with emotion, um, the stuff that goes back to when he was a kid. So mm-hmm. we'll see all that, you know, well, you see a little bit of that starting to explode at the end of the issue, and that'll just steamroll from there. I think you yeah, well, I th- I, good. Okay. No, I was just going to, I thought the way you um, implied that the stick grew into a tree, that was brilliant. Yeah. I, that, that was probably one of my favorite yeah. parts of the issue. Well, yeah, I thanks, agree. Thanks, yeah. You you yeah. also again I mean we only are in the first issue here so I'm I'm probably extrapolating too much but but you know you're 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 playing whether you're not you're from the south and I'm you know full disclosure I'm from the northeast born and bred so I I have to say if there's such a thing as fried pie I didn't know that until reading this comic but I'd love to <laughs> how, how old are you I'm 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 39 how do you live to be 39 and not know about fried puns? <laughs> I don't know, Jason, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to fix that this year before I turn 40. <laughs> but, but the, the underlying theme here, I think, which is something that we could all resonate with is that, you know, what we do know of Earl is that, you know, like you said, he, he's living in the shadow of his dad from this town, but he also was, uh, by all accounts, one of the best, if not the best high school football players in a town that, that, that just, just lives for high school football. And, you know, I think we've all had a moment in our lives where we're new people that um, you almost feel sad for as you get older where high school was the best time of their life, you know, because of whether they were the most popular or the class president or the best athlete. And they've spent the rest of their life trying to recapture the glory or importance they felt back then. And, uh, and, and I think that comes across again, regardless of where you grew up. And, uh, and I get that that's part of Earl's legacy, as we'll come to find out, is that, you know, he was at his best and, and in this town, but yet at the same time, he resented it because of, of living in the shadow of his dad. And he has to kind of wrestle with all of that. So that's really intriguing to me. Sure. Well, yeah, I think that's an, an interesting thing. Um, and that, uh, the, for you to live that long and, and to think that your life was defined by, when you something you did when you were young, um, I mean, you can you little flashes there at the end of the issue. If you catch them, you you uh, pick up on the fact that Earl's a, a veteran. You know, he's got a Marine Corps tattoo on his arm. You see a little flash of him, um, uh, you know, in service, uh, presumably during the Vietnam War. We don't really know at that point. So, um, that that's something I find in a lot of the veterans I know is some of those guys embrace the fact that. Embrace the idea of being vets. Um, but for other guys really struggle with that, that you, that you could live to be 80 years old and still define yourself by what you did when you were 20 years old for, you know, if you're talking about your service in Vietnam, maybe for just, you know, a matter of months. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can you define your entire life by, by a matter of months? So, um, yeah, I think that's a big part of our role is that. He still doesn't really know how to define himself, even at this point, uh, as old as he is. Um, he probably couldn't sum up his life or who he really is or what he's done. Um, and I think that's more so than just his uh, his sick uncle. That's really why he's he's come back home. Hmm. Hmm. I found this Craw County to be an extremely scary place. I mean, as someone from the Northeast, 
What? Hey, I have seen video footage from from rural Pennsylvania, so don't give me that shit. What I'm trying to say is, like, it's just loaded with unsavory characters. You got a guy who doesn't think twice about just urinating in public. He's got, you know, oh, rebel tattoos. I don't know if that's a southern thing. <laughs> yeah, but there's, like, cheerleaders walking by, you know, looking at his junk. He doesn't care, you know? Um, and the, this this dusty guy who greets someone he hasn't seen in forty years, like, hey man, what's up? Now get the fuck out of here. You know, it's just these the, the whole place just scared me, and I, I would be extremely <laughs> uncomfortable in, in those surroundings. But uh, and I was trying to put myself in Earl in Earl's place, like I would take Dusty's advice at that point. I'd be like, okay. Obviously, you see this boss character all over the place. He's pulling the strings. You'd be a good idea just to turn tail and 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 go out the way you came. But but he doesn't. And and that to me is the strongest part of this issue to find out what's driving this dude. Why why is he so adamant to to not only stay there but to you know stick his finger in the beehive? Why would you do that? And it's just so compelling. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, part of it is you know he's from there, so. Um, I mean, you know, a big part of the South is that idea of, of us and them, which you can look at in a lot of different ways. Of course, uh, the racial divide, um, but also the you know, the idea of, of, of insiders and outsiders, and, and we we really don't like outsiders in the South. Um, and and you know, in Earl's case, that could even include a guy who who was born here and grew up in this town, but moved away to the quote unquote big city of, of Birmingham. Right. Um, which, you know, Earl, anybody you grow up in the South, you, you don't want to get lumped into that outsider category, whether you still live there or not. There is an incredible amount of resentment for people that get out and then, and then come back and act like they're still from there. And, and I think that Earl is sure. going to run into that. You know, sure. it's like, you know, you, yeah, you're from here, but you left. So don't act like this is your home. It's, I can see that happening. Sure, sure, yep. Well, I guess that's yeah, all just, set, though, by the fact that you can have fried pie, because it does sound pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think of, like, really good, like, you know, the Hostess fruit pies. It's like that, but but much, much but better. Good. Yeah, but good. Say, yeah. good? Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. Just uh, one thing, just don't kill off the mangy poop dog. Because, because I, I, I want to see the do, the dog get his comeuppance. I want to see him, you know, get get one on uh, yeah. Esau. Yeah, definitely. Well, also, David yeah. will stop reading it if that happens. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you keep pissing on the dog, we might have an issue. Uh, well, the, I can't uh, say we won't piss on him again. We've got, we've got, I have to I, I have to recognize the, it, the the dog's surroundings and and just expect <laughs> it to happen because of the cast of characters. Right. I, I'm not going to uh, promise that nobody will ever piss on the dog again. I can't make that. <laughs> And who knows what the dog did to deserve it to to, to be pissed on in the first place? So you know, we, but we have, the we, dog does have an owner because he's got a collar on. Right. He's not a, a wild dog or a stray. Right. So could be the town dog. You never know. You never Maybe know. his owner poops all over the place too. You never know. That's true. Yeah. The dog. Uh, the dog pops up again in issue two. So nice. Right. Right. See the dog again. 
That's that's how that's how ridiculous we are, Jason. We we want the dog to be a recurring character. Yeah, that's, all we, that's every, all we care about. I write all these issue, great characters. Every issue and he'll you get, show up and, and shit on something. I just say I can't wait to see him shit in the you guys can see him in the corner box so we can see him shit in that. That would be in that a, would be kind of cool. In a year we'll have a list of all the different sound effects used for the poop dog. <laughs> <Southern>. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, talk about Jason, uh, uh, Latour a little bit more, just cause I don't know, you know, I know that, I know that he got to work on some mainstream projects with, you know, Winter Soldier and, and he's starting to be a guy that, that comic book fans are aware of, but, you know, he was, um, I always kind of think about Jason as being like an awesome session musician, you know, if, if for art. It's like he was a guy that all of the other musicians knew about and would like sit in on stuff and, and you would always see him at conventions and he was, you know, always, you know, talking with other people and, and is always a guy that has been around and, and creators know who he is and, and he was part of the scene, but, but comic fans didn't know him because the amount of work that he did was not was not really big. Do you think that um, that people are, you know, hopefully getting to know how talented, ridiculously talented this guy is now? And and is that one of the reasons that 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 you decided to to do a project with him? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the last few years have been really good ones for for Latour. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he drew a few things for Marvel. He did, um, this Daredevil story. I forget what book it was in. Like one of those, it was a black and white story, I believe, that was awesome. He did, you know, some stuff in the, over in the Mignola verse and Dark Horse. And then, yeah, he started getting some writing gigs. The, the Winter Soldier stuff was great. So, yeah, and he did, uh, Loose Ends, you know, his own, his own, uh, right. creator own crime book. Um, Which is beautiful. So, so yeah, I think he's certainly, you know, people, editors and stuff now know who he is as both a writer and an artist. Um, and he's just going to be doing more and more stuff, more and more projects, um, for both. Uh, but I mean, in terms of why we first started talking together again, you know, yeah, I think I knew he was talented way back, way back when, um, you know, even before he was doing that much stuff. Um, but also I knew I wanted to do, this book called Southern Bastards, um, and there really there was nobody else I even thought about to, to, to do it, uh, you know, for, for, of course, because Jason is so talented and because he and I were already friends, but also because... He's a Southern uh, bastard. Exactly. <laughs> this had to be a book about Southern bastards by Southern bastards. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, he was the only person I ever talked to about doing it. And hopefully, um, you know, I mean, this, by the time this book is done, I mean, this should be the, the biggest thing he's, uh, he's ever done art wise. Um, and, you know, and, and, uh, we'll see how much of it he winds up writing too. So, I mean, this will be probably the biggest thing Latour's ever done. So hopefully the people who don't know about this stuff yet, uh, this will turn him on to it and then they can, from this, you know, branch out and pick up loose ends and Winter Soldier and, and Wolverine, the X Men, and the other stuff you've been doing. That's awesome. That's yeah. One of my one of my favorite convention memories is walking through Times Square and listening to to Latour argue with with B Clay Moore about 
God knows what, but hearing those two just argue with each other, it was, was amazing. <laughs> and I suggest it to anyone that can ever get them face to face to talk about story, you know, right, you know, to about writing or, or, or character development. It was, it was, uh, it was, it, it was entertaining. <laughs> yeah, they should do a, a podcast with the two of them just arguing. Abs- yeah, right. Shit. Absolutely. Uh, that would be I would that would be a pay for podcast for me. <laughs> well, Latour always has a special place in my heart because he's a hip hop fan. So I always like to <laughs> true, talk, huh? talk hip hop with him because I know there's not a lot of you out there that seemingly <laughs> are comic book conventions and also want to talk hip hop. So a- Axel Alonso's yeah. a big hip hop guy. Is he? I've never spoken or met. I'm not surprised about that. Yeah, but that's cool to know. That makes sense. So, yeah, there's a few of them. Yeah, I feel that way with football. It's it's you know whenever you meet another comic guy who's in the football you you kind of bond. The, the Whoa! Bond. I didn't know you were. I, I, my ears really. Because in in addition to uh, to being a comic geek, actually I'm a, a part owner in a, a fantasy football website and an Eagles season ticket holder. So I love football. Oh, well, there you go. It's good well, to I'm, know. I'm a Steelers fan, so. All right, I can live with that. How did that's that happen? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, a product. Of, that's a product of the time. Sure, I grew up in Alabama where, you know, we didn't have a, a team back, so yeah. back in the seventies, it was the Raiders, the Steelers, or the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I jumped on the bandwagon back in the heyday, but I, I stayed on it through the Bubby Brister years and the quarter. Oh, Jesus. No, I'm not going to sit here and listen to you talk about what a tortured fucking football. Yeah, I was going to say. You, <laughs> as, I, Jason, I've had Eagles season tickets for almost 20 years. I've been a fan my whole life. We have zero Super Bowls. You have a, a fistful of them. So, you know, you could make a infinity gauntlet with your, with your, uh, Super Bowl rings. So I, uh. He could make really, two because he's an Alabama fan as well. Yeah, that's true too. That's so true. he could have the college infinity gauntlet on the left hand. You could make a few infinity gauntlets with 15 national championships. Now we didn't meet Coach uh, Here he goes. Here he goes. Coach going to look like, uh, Bear Bryant or? I would say there's a fair chance of that, but there'll be nice. a little bit of Bear Bryant and Coach right. Bell. Not, not, think, which is not in any way meant to, meant to disparage the, the, <laughs> the godlike legacy of, of Coach, Coach Paul Bryant. Let's get sick of it. Look, I'm sitting here at my desk where literally right here next to me is a bottle of Coke, which is from 1983. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. With, with, uh, with Coach Bryant on it. Nice. I've got, I've got a 1982 St. Louis Cardinal World Champion bottle of Coke in here in my office. So I have no bottle of Coke. My team has never won a championship. So that's right. Well, let's use let's use the gauntlet as a uh, way to talk about original oh, sin. Because I'm, See, this I'm interested. Shit. I like that segue. No, nice segue. Nice segue. This is why Vince no. is our producer because he finally, actually, yeah, he finally, right. he finally had a nice segue. No, I'm talking uh, three hundred episodes. Very interested in Original Sin, and no offense to Mr. Fraction, but, I mean, Original Sin, to me, seems like the next big thing after Infinity, because Inhumanity, it's, I, I, it doesn't even register for some reason. Like, I, I really want to know about Original Sin. Like, you're driving the Marvel bus. How big is this story? I mean, we've seen some teasers along the way. I mean, obviously something happens to the Watcher, but how big is this going to get? Uh, pretty huge. I mean, it's the biggest thing I've ever done. Uh, you know, I've been involved with these sorts of events before, but, uh, never on my own. Um, mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I mean, it's a huge story. It's a story that it's got a huge cast of characters. It kind of uh, goes from one corner of the Marvel universe to the other, um, and has some pretty huge ramifications, especially for for a few few of the the main characters. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, I'm I'm having a blast on it. I mean, it's um, I'm, I'm anxious for people to to check it out and see what everybody thinks of it. It it is uh I mean, I think if you've read my Marvel stuff, then once you read this, you'll say, "Yeah, that's about that's about what I would expect from that guy." This this reads like the event by the guy who writes the War God of Thunder and who did Wolverine the X Men and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's very much me doing what I do. You know, it's um it's a weird murder mystery. Uh, it's dark. It's 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 uh, big and and you know, it's me trying to do that same sort of. Uh, uh, you know, weird, dark Kirby stuff that I've been doing on, on Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with, with guys like Punisher and Black Panther and, and Emma Frost and, and Gamora. And so you get a, um, you know, I think a pretty fun, interesting mix of characters too. Aside from just, of course, the usual suspects like Cap and Iron Man and Thor and everybody. So to that end, I mean, if you, to whatever extent you're allowed to talk about the process, um, I mean, we, we already know from the solicits, so I don't think we're spoiling anything that, as you said, it's a murder mystery where, uh, Uatu, the watcher, the longstanding sort of overseer of, of all the important things in the Marvel 616 is, is dead, and it's a, a whodunit. Um, but when you mention that cast of characters, like how much, um, how much leeway, I mean, as you're planning this, and I presume this has been in the works for a long time, probably a couple of retreats ago, how much leeway do you have in terms of like, did you say I want Gamora involved or did you say I want to make this a, a wide net? And then someone said, well, you should probably have, you know, someone from the Guardians of the Galaxy, someone from here, someone from there. And you kind of picked who you thought fit. Yeah. I mean, I, the, I picked who, who I wanted. I mean, I think that was pretty much my list. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it, um, the, this has been me and Tom Brevoort and, and Axel was very involved, um, certainly from the get go. So it was us. Kind of figuring all this stuff out as we went along, and then yeah, we talk about it at the different retreats. Um, so yeah, I mean it was all us bouncing that around, but no, nobody ever said, "Well, you have to have this guy in it or you have to have that guy." It was all very organic, and you know, once you read the story, there's a story reason of, as to why it's this group of characters. It wasn't mm-hmm. just us throwing together like, "Hey, Gamora's in the movie, let's throw her in there." It was a, sure. You see, there's a very specific reason for why it's this this group is brought together. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it's again, I've been a part of this sort of thing before. I've been to lots of different retreats, so um, I kind of I wasn't walking into this blind. Um, so it's been pretty easy. I mean, it's it's nice that um, you know this event's a little different than the other events we've done, and that there there are certainly a lot of tie-ins, but. Um, those tie-ins kind of stand on their own. It's like there's, there's a moment in my, in the main original sin book in issue two from which kind of all the tie-ins spring out of. But really, like then, you know, Dan Slott just goes off and writes his Spider-Man tie-in and Mark Ray mm-hmm. goes off and writes the Hulk and they, they don't really have to worry about what else I'm doing and I don't really have to worry about what they're doing. So, um, it's nice that you, you know, if you, if you just want to pick up and read original sin issues one through eight, um, you know, that's, that's a complete story with a beginning, middle, and a, and a very definite end. 
Um, you know, then if you just want to read the Spider-Man tie-in or whatever, I think you can get a complete story uh, in, in that in and of itself. If you read everything together, you kind of see the whole picture, but sure, um, they're not all beholden to each other, you know, and it's not one story told across across eighteen different books. Um, what I'm re- what I'm doing is really the, the I mean, that's, if you want to know about the murder mystery, then you read those eight issues. Do Do you think? I mean, when you talk about beginning, middle, and end. Um... You know, we, we, as you can imagine, we review a lot of the, you know, the, the, the event books and the like. And, and, and certainly for, you know, speaking personally, I, I, you know, I've, I was a, a Marvel zombie long before I, I read, you know, the breadth of comics that I read as an adult now. And, um, you know, if, if I'm being fair in the, you know, the six and a half or so years we've been doing the show, um, I would say, and again, just speaking candidly, my own personal view is that a lot of event books, both for Marvel and DC, you know, kind of start off really strong and then for various and sundry reasons, I think often fail to, you know, stick the landing, if you will. And, and I, I've always thought that part of that is, is editorially driven and that, you know, you're, you're almost by, by definition setting up a new status quo. Um, and you're, you're, you're sort of exiting the event to try and entice people to read a bunch of, of new books or relaunches or, or what have you. But, but I remember when, you know, you guys went about doing AVX and then more recently Infinity. Um, and, and sort of the promise that, that, that we were going to get back to, you know, making the event the event and, uh, and, and telling, as you said, a, a beginning, middle and end. And, um, and, and I think in Infinity's case, you, you guys absolutely, I mean, it absolutely, that, that was the case. I thought Infinity was a great story that stands up, you know, on its own, you know, from issue one to the end. Um, so it's great to hear you, hear you say that, but I mean, to, to that extent, is it sometimes difficult, um, you know, working though on a, on a, a line wide event uh, in, in keeping with that. I mean, I, I know you always have the best of intentions, but how do you guys ensure that you know you, you absolutely make it self contained? I mean, could it sometimes get away from you? And, and how I guess has your past experiences with this like helped ensure that that won't happen this time? Um, well, yeah, I, I think you can do both of those. I think you can tell a story um, that does have a beginning, middle, and of an, and an end, and then still have um, you know things at the end that, that spill over into the the, uh, the next book, you know, so if you want to know, well, what the new status quo is for this guy, then go check this out. I think you can do both of those. Um, so yeah, certainly the ending of Original Sin, um, again, that, that murder mystery story is done, that story is wrapped up, but there will be repercussions for a couple of characters that you could probably follow into, um, their book or, or some new book or the next thing, um, but, you know, I mean, that's kind of the nature of the beast. I mean, we're, yeah. this is serialized storytelling. We're writing stories that started, you know, characters that started 50, 60 years ago and that will still be published 50, 60 years after I'm dead. So, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to write that, the, the, the ending of the Wolverine story or the Thor story. Like, that's never going to happen. You can take those characters to different places, I think. Um, and, and tell interesting stories with them that, that have definite character arcs, but um, it's always going to be about that last page cliffhanger and getting somebody to pick up the next thing. That's just sort of wait. You're is. not gonna you're not gonna kill Wolverine. <laughs> uh, no. Well, I'm out of the X Men universe, so that's true. I Although there no is idea. a lot of chatter uh, that Wolverine's going to maybe be killed, but that's that's not. Well, exactly. well, uh, Whatever is going on in the X universe, I'm not a part of it anymore, so I can't mm, speak to who's either killing or I brought Nightcrawler back. That's all I know. (laughs) I 
dropped the mic and walked away. You know, you, you have you have never struck me as a fanboy type person, but is there ever a moment where you're sitting at your laptop and you're like, "Holy shit, I'm I'm writing Wolverine." <laughs> were you? I mean, all the time. Ever, I mean, I yeah, I am a huge fanboy. I mean, I've um, I've been buying comics, you know, since uh, I was a kid, buying them off the drugstore rack, and I've. I never, I never stopped. I never, you know, I never had one of those periods where I stopped buying comics for five years and then came back. I've been buying comics my whole life. I've, I, I, I couldn't even tell you the number of comic book stores, you know, I've had a pull list at because I would, mm-hmm. especially, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, I'd be with one for a while and it'd close and I'd go to the next one and then it'd get bought out and then I'd go to the next one. But I moved here and actually since I moved to Kansas City, I've been, going to the same shop. So that's the longest last 14 years I've been going to the same shop. I'm sure the longest, by far longest stretch of my life. Um, so I, I am a huge fanboy. I've got a basement filled with way too many comics, way too many nice. boxes. Because <laughs> um, I have a hard time letting stuff go. You know, it's like, do I really... Wait, you're, wait you're a comic fan that has has issues with letting <laughs> things go. I don't <laughs> believe you. I am. I am a full-on comic book nerd. That's... Uh, uh, unabashedly. I'm not a, a ashamed of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I do certainly always have those moments where I re- I think, holy shit, I can't believe I'm getting to do this for a living. Mm-hmm. Well, what was, what was the stuff whenever, you know, because I imagine that we're all kind of relatively the same age. What was the, what was the stuff that, that you read? You know, in your you know teen years or, or 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 whatever that you can look back on and say, yep, that's that's what kind of shaped the writer that that I would turn into or am you know am still becoming. What what do you look back and say, yep, that's what that's what kind of flipped the switch for me. You were a DC guy, right, Jason? I mean, like, oh uh, yeah, yeah, it was New a big Teen DC Titans guy. and stuff, right? Yep, yep. New Teen Titans was the that was the first book where I was like. Oh, I gotta get every issue of this instead of just, you know, buying what ever happened to be on the rack. Um, but I mean, you know, Frank Miller, Alan Moore, uh, then Grant Morrison. Um, but I, I was flipping through some of my back issues the other day and, um, and thinking about Wolverine and the X-Men, um, you know, and how it's, you know, it's a very lighthearted book and kind of silly. And, mm-hmm. and I was looking back at a lot of the stuff I, that I loved, like uh, DC's Blue Devil book, which was awesome. Oh, nice, um, yeah. Excalibur. Uh, um, we just talked the, about that about two or three yeah. weeks ago. We, uh, we, we, I had re, I reread the, uh, I read all the way up through the end of the Cross Time Caper. I reread it. Uh, I think you know the first twenty five issues, and we did a, a deep dive revisiting that series. That's just such a great series. Yeah, it is. I think that book holds up pretty well too. I think mm-hmm. it's still really fun. Um, but and I actually had Latour, by the way. Um, Latour drew uh, Nightcrawler. I, I, I had a jam piece of the Excalibur characters, and Latour drew Nightcrawler. That's he talked right. at awesome. length about he would love to, you know, reboot Excalibur someday if he got the chance. So yeah, <laughs> kismet. Um, you know, but I think you can look at those books and say, and, and like the, you know, the uh, Keith Giffen, uh, J.M. DeMatteis Justice League, and say, oh, I, I think that's where my Wolverine the X Men stuff came from. Was, was that sort of? And like uh, Roach Mill, you remember Roach Mill? The, oh uh, yes, Dark Horse. I, I Roach love that. Mill. Wow, good old Roach Mill. Head and, and McQueenie. Yes, that's right. Yeah, which was a really like that book from issue to issue would be really 
incredibly silly and then would years and be really kind of dark and, and serious. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that a lot of that kind of fed into, to what I became as a writer, which whatever that is. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, growing and, and changing and, you know, and that's always, that's always good to see. Uh, you know, you, you had written, uh, you were doing an article, uh, for CBR, uh, for, for a while and, um, there, one that I had, that I had gone back and read not too long ago about Alan Moore. And that was, you know, that, that's probably one of the few times where I've, I've kind of seen more of Jason Aaron, the fan, as opposed to Jason Aaron, the, the writer. And, and it was, you know, some real hurt, I think, on, on your side, you know, of, of someone who's obviously someone that you look up to as a writer and spend a lot of time enjoying their stories as someone who's probably drifted away from, um, from from comics and maybe doesn't realize some of the talent that is out there. You know, I don't know if you know have have you have you thought on that. You know, in the year or two since you know since you since you wrote that column and you know and kind of like Alan Moore's place in comics and how that is always like this weird thing that you know everyone you it, anytime anytime that the man's name is is uttered people are like oh what's what does alan think about this you know do, you know any thoughts on them like that that whole alan moore and comics relationship now no no no, no that's a you can you kind of said just, what she needed to <laughs> i just prefer to you know i i still love my watchman i still love from hell i still love um abc comics um you know i'm oh, still yeah. Alan Moore fan and and I don't really worry the about the, the stuff he he says these days. Um, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. able to kind of kind of compartmentalize the creator from the from the work, I guess. Is yeah, well, the, I'm the not really so way. much interested in what he's up to these days or, or yeah. you know what he's saying online. I but I still have a tremendous amount of respect for for That's the stuff cool. he did over the years, which you know again um, was a big part of making me a comic book fan. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think like Grant Morrison had an even bigger impact on me as a as a reader and also as really? a, okay as a. As you a can see that writer. I think with your your choice of like characters like Quentin Quire, right, to to make him to the forefront. I'm sure that wasn't you know by by accident, right? That 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 spoke to me that you were. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I took that as to be kind of your your paying homage to the fact that you you appreciated Morrison's work. Oh sure, that, yeah, and and just you know as a as a creator, I I. Have incredible respect for just the breadth of of stuff that Morrison has done over the course of, of so many years, and that he's made, um, um, you know, he's done tremendous work for Marvel and DC from you know very mainstream books like Justice League and X Men, but also done, you know, a, a huge variety of, of you know, an, uh, incredibly idiosyncratic creator on work. So, yeah, um, you know, I kind of hold. The, the the variety of stuff he's done up on a pedestal of like wow that'd be awesome someday to have a career like that. Well, you know, I you know, I'm, you know, it does. Is it weird maybe for you to think that when I mean, you look at you with Wolverine and the X Men and the work that you've done on Thor and you know playing in the X universe and and now kind of helming an event on top of doing some amazing creator own stuff, you know, scalped being, you know, kind of at the front there, but, but still with, still with a career that's moving, whether, you know, and, and hopefully you, you're aware uh, enough that, that there's a whole group of 
young comic book writers that are, you know, on the verge of, you know, coming into the industry that are, are probably looking up to you. I mean, and you are somebody's have, about to take my job. Is that what you're trying? Yeah, to someone is. Someone is 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 right. Yeah, that you sound like Mike Norton there. Give me, give me names, Chris. <laughs> but I mean, is that is that kind of weird to think because it wasn't that long ago? It's like you know, oh, here's this the up and coming writer Jason Aaron, and now I mean, you're. You're definitely a guy that I think a lot of of younger writers look up to and say, "That's the guy that I want to be." Is that you know? Is that weird to you that that yeah, that, that should, dynamic has changed? They should aim higher. They should aim higher. Oh, <laughs> uh, and we're not here to stroke your ego that much, but I mean, you, it's a pretty you're a pretty high bar to shoot for. I mean, I it's <laughs> I, I still I still have yet to read anything of yours that I throw down and go, "Wow, you mailed that shit in." I mean, yeah, you you you, <laughs> exactly. you care and it shows. Well, I appreciate I really appreciate that, Chris. Um that, I mean, if nothing else, hopefully I set the bar high in terms of a uh, beard length. <laughs> <laughs> set, set the bar lower and lower each year, you mean, you know. <laughs> um, you know but no, I mean, I, I think it's great. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm very happy to see, uh, my friends, see people I like whose stuff I respect, uh, doing well. I, you know, I, I mean, there are plenty of comics to go around for all of us, you know? Um, oh. so I, I love, I, I really love right now that Marvel's launching so many new books so that we're getting a new Ghost Rider and a new She-Hulk and all these new, new titles I think is awesome. And I love seeing, Marvel bring in uh, um, lots of new writers. I love seeing everybody, all the new image books doing so well. I think that's great. I mean, I you know I'm very happy with the stuff that I'm doing. I don't often sit around and feel jealous of somebody else and think, oh man, I really wish I was doing that. Um, I really give like- us some names. Who are you jealous of? Who do you like out there? <laughs> You're like, oh shit, he's nailing that, or she's doing awesome. Right, who are who are some folks that that you really like their work these days? That uh, that you find yourself whenever you go to the comic shop, it's like, oh, I've got to I've got to pick that up. Well, uh, certainly there are a lot of those guys. I mean, I think in terms of who I look at and and compare myself to would be kind of like the people I came up with. So like Rick Remender and. Mad Fraction, kind of the guys we we all sort of came into Marvel around the same time. So, um, you know, there are in particular a couple of guys who I'll read their stuff and they'll kind of fire me up, you know, especially when it's really good. Not in a jealous way, but in a way of like, oh sure, well, that, that's really awesome. Like, you know, it, it I think it always helps to light a fire under you to or to you know try to make you want to step your own game up um, to to get to that same level. Um, which I think is is always good and helpful. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've I've I'm happy to see all this. I love seeing you know Dennis Hopeless, who's another Kansas City guy, who's mm-hmm. doing so much Marvel stuff now. I love seeing Latour, um, you know, taking over Wolverine, the X Men. I think all that stuff's great. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it, you know it goes back when I when I was that when I was that new guy. I remember the first time I I met like Brian Azzarello and Brian K Vaughn. Um, like those guys were always, uh, super nice, very welcoming. Never was that feeling of like, you know, who's this fucking guy? Right. Um, the, never felt that way at all. So, um, you know, you, you gotta return the favor and, and, and be happy for anybody. I mean, this is an awesome job. It's an awesome way to get to, to make a living. So I'm happy for anybody else who's, a, who's able to get there. 
Just you just I mean, can't you just can't have Thor. Just stay away from Thor. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is he is he is he your guy? I mean, do you what out of the, out of the Marvel characters? You know, you you've done your fair share of, of Wolverine stories, but is Thor the the character that you kind of feel like a a, a kindred relationship with? Uh, yeah, right now, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really like that before. I, I love that the Simonson stuff, you know, as much as everybody else, but I, I wasn't a huge Thor fan. Like it wasn't, that wasn't a, a character where I had a bunch of long boxes in my basement full of Thor comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of only come about, um, you know, recently kind of when, when I had the opportunity to, to grab that book, it just sort of struck me as something that I, I really wanted to do. Um, so, but yeah, now I'm definitely a big Thor guy and, and hopefully can continue to have a nice long run on that character and really put my stamp on it. Well, there, there's a reason why you don't have a bunch of long boxes of, of Thor comics because outside of the Simon stuff, Simonson stuff, it hasn't been very good. <laughs> um, but they're, so. they're, they're, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff that I'd never read. I mean, just going yeah. back and reading those original, uh, Lee Kirby issues, you know, I mean, it's, sure. I mean, their, their run kind of has its up, its ups and downs and you can definitely see by the end of it that, you know, Kirby's on his way out and has kind of lost his fire for creating new concepts. But mm-hmm. man, there's a, there's a stretch there, which I think are some of my favorite, uh, Jack Kirby comics where he was really just firing on all cylinders. So. Have you uh, seen, uh, have you, you, you've seen Andy's, Andy Parks's Kirby Thor page, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. isn't that gorgeous? It's, it is. It's, it's yeah, that was the, the Thor page that supposedly in, inspired Matt to, to want to do Thor, right? When he, yeah, well, I think Matt, um, th- uh, not threatened Andy, but, um, um, said that he was going to sneak into Andy's basement and roll that page up and smoke it. So he could like ingest Kirby's genius and Andy's like, you are not going to do that. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say it, Andy. I didn't say it. So Jason, do you, uh, speaking of that, do you, I mean, do you collect or have you started collecting, uh, artwork at all? Uh, n- not much. I have, I have some stuff, you know, I'll, I'll uh, I have, Pages from stuff I've written, so I've got a few, got a couple of scalp pages, or maybe three or four scalp pages. I've got, I don't have a jock cover, but I've got the very first, uh, like promo image he did. So the first, first time he ever drew Dash. I've got that. I've got the first page of the, the other side. Um, so nice. stuff here and there. Okay. I've, yeah, and I've got a few, um, the biggest thing I have that I, I wasn't involved with is I've got about four or five, uh, Frank Quietly pages. Oh wow! Oh, very nice. Some some X Men pages and a an All Star Superman page, um, which are which you know I, I figured like a, a comic art is so expensive these days. You know it's hard for me to justify spending thousands of dollars on the <laughs> cover. I, I don't know if my wife would quite understand why yeah. I just eight thousand dollars on this comic book cover. <laughs> well, but, and, and you're and you're and you're not an artist, so you can't be like the hey, I'll trade this out. You know, exactly, it's not, sure, you're not yeah. going to go hey, I got a signed script. You want to yeah, sure trade does. you for this it's, page? It's twenty twenty typed up pages. Um, so so I, you know, there's a lot of stuff I figure like, well, I, shit, I'm never going to own anything by this guy or that guy. Mm-hmm. But I figured quietly, like quite quietly is about as close as I come. So like a modern guy who, sure. modern master. So I figured I, I had to 
the Janus pages were really affordable, so I figured I had to jump on that. Did you did you pick up any of those at Morrison Con? Is that where you got those? Yeah, well, I bought a I bought a couple at at the um, at um, uh, the Isotope one time when when he mm-hmm. done. Oh, were you there? That's funny that you say that because I was going to tell you that, I mean, you know, Ron put us together here and, uh, Ron, that night at the Isotope party, which I guess you were there, um, he sent me the page that he bought because he knew I would be seething with jealousy, which was the, uh, page from, uh, New X-Men where, um, where, uh, Gene walks in and, uh, and, you know, and, and sees Emma and, and Scott. Uh, and, and he sent me that page. He's like, I just bought this. And still to this day, I, I, I seize with jealousy over the fact that he owns that oh, yeah. page. So you wouldn't know <laughs> yeah. this, but I, I'm a big OA guy. I collect a ton of OA. So, so it, that, yeah. so that's the quickest way to make me envious. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't at that party where Ron bought that, but I remember I was, there was that WonderCon. I was at WonderCon. He told me that. Yeah. It's like, Oh shit. And so I went over to the next day to the isotope and bought. A couple of pages. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, you then, know, then, yeah, I, bought, I bought a few at Morrison Con. Yeah. Was, I, but speaking of, that was that was one of the neatest comic book weekends I've had. It's uh, it was it was quite an event. It's. it's it, cool. I mean, it's everything you expected it would be, right? Yeah. Know. Yeah. And we, and it, it'll never happen again. I don't think you'll ever have anything that will be like that again. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty perfect. It was neat seeing seeing you guys in such a, a, a relaxed environment with with fans that were. I mean, they were there were some Uber fans there, but yeah, it was it was a neat it was a really neat environment. And it was cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, to me, it felt like some of the the smaller European shows I've been to where it's, you know, it's more laid back. It's, you have time to actually sit and talk with people. It's not just, you know, everybody standing in line and, and you sign their books and, and shake their hands and move on where you can just felt like a little more, the you could, you're kind of on a cruise together. So you're sort of hanging out with the same little group of people for, for three days, you know? Yeah, it did kind of feel like that. Which was it was neat. It's uh do you like doing the the European shows? I know you said that you're you're kind of slowing down on the amount of cons that you do, but do you look for do you look for shows that are a little bit different or or stuff that you haven't gone to and, and say oh I want to go see this part of the world and it's neat because I can go do that now. Uh yeah yeah I mean I'm you know whether shows here or overseas I'm always looking to go to um, you know places I've never been before so. I haven't done this many that many shows this year, but I went to to Angoulême in France mm, um, so for, for the year. How and was that? It was awesome. It, it's wild because it's it. I mean, it's a huge show that still kind of feels like a small show, and that you know the the show just kind of takes over the entire town. So the you know the streets are just packed with people, but then the show is actually broken up into lots of you know pretty small tents. Mm-hmm. Scattered, scattered all around. So, um, the, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, are are you are are you a celebrity? Whatever you go to, like a show like Agulab, is it like oh, oh, there's Jason Aaron? Yeah, is does that happen? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we 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 had a lot of fans. I mean, it was me yeah. and Gara and Jock and Andy Diggle were all there uh, with Urban Comics. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we had. 
had quite a few people come by. But you know, I mean, in, in France, France seems kind of different, and they've got such a vibrant yeah. um, comic scene of their own. You know, it's not all just um, stuff imported from from here. They they've got so much cool stuff they're doing over there themselves. Which we which you definitely feel. We you know we went to the the big awards they do there. Um, um, and you could definitely feel that there's a little bit of uh, animosity towards some of the American books. <laughs> it's like when you know when they would announce the nominees, the the, the French books would get thunderous applause, and then they mm-hmm. would announce uh, Saga, and there'd be like five people clapping. Is that right? That's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it was very it was very French, but um, yeah, it was just, I had a great time there, and everybody was 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 super nice and, and welcoming. Very cool. Cool. You know what? While I have the chance, um, I'm going to thank you because I'm a huge fan of disturbing stuff. Yeah, the more disturbing, the more I'm going to like it. And I got to say, I think the premise for Original Sin is one of the more insidious uh, as far as the Marvel Universe goes. Because to me, I don't think killing a Watcher is as bad as... Stealing his eyes. I mean, that's that's the reason for for being for a watcher, right? It's it's why he exists. Sure. And and for to have someone just take that away from him, I'm I don't know if he lives or dies after the event, but um, well, just to take he's his eyes. Dead in the beginning. Oh, <laughs> pretty how do you get away with? I mean, this is Uatu we're talking about, right? Yep. How do you get away with that? That's crazy. Well, that's not. Who says, says they will get away with it? Uh-huh. But it is comics, and this that could probably change over the course of time. But for right now, you killed a Watcher, and you took his eyes. That's really disturbing. I like that a lot. Well, and and my favorite the fact part of that, that is that Marvel is giving away rubber Watcher eyeballs. Yeah, I want a gross That's of them. <laughs> that that would be the best thing. But you were talking about how um, invested you you are in the Marvel universe over the years. I don't think. A casual, like, like someone that just started writing this stuff that didn't have a, uh, wasn't grounded in the Marvel Universe. I don't think they could come up with the concept of stealing a watcher's eyes. Like that, you gotta, you know what I mean? The, the, the rich history of these characters and, you know, not only to, to know that, but to find a way to make it so inventive that, yeah, you know what? This character, I just erased his reason for being. That, that's brilliant. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, thanks. Um, I don't know quite what to say to that. If, if you, uh, if you've seen me, you, you know, I kind of have a thing for eyes. I have a bunch of them tattooed on my arms. Um, it's really freaky. So I have a maybe a rather unhealthy obsession with eyeballs. Um, yeah. So, you like the residents? Uh, I know. Yeah. I know who they are. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a, I don't really know their stuff. Um, but yeah, you can, Make of that what you will, I guess. It's a strong symbol, it really is. It's a universal symbol too. But um, so, thank you for for being so transgressive and disturbing. I like. <laughs> well, I try. Jason, I have a question, which which I, I I always wonder when 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 people are kind enough to interviews, like no one asks about the process, and I'm I'm fascinated by. You know, you're you're working on a bunch of different books, as we've talked about. I mean, one of the things I love about you in particular is your ability to seemingly jump between genres and tones and you, know, you can do the funny, you can do the serious, you can do the gruesome. Um, but what's the process like for you now? I mean, do you, you know, do you have, okay, this week is, is Southern bastards week. This week is scripting uh, original sin. Is it more, you know, you're on their way to 
pick up your son from school and it's like you get an idea and you stop and pull over and you write in a notebook. I mean, what is your process? Is it, is it, you know, handwritten notes? Is it on a laptop? I mean, how structured is it? Um, kind of all of that. I mean, it, I wish it was a little more structured. You know, it kind of varies where I think I've got a good groove going and then suddenly, you know, I, I got to go out of town uh, and everything kind of gets thrown into chaos. So the last month has been a little tough and then I've had a lot of travel. I had a couple of unexpected trips, you know, stuff I hadn't planned and then a couple of shows. So that kind of throws everything, um, uh, up in the air and, and so suddenly I'm having to write, you know, five, ten pages of one script and then five, ten pages of another, which is, is a really hard way to, to put stuff together. Um, thankfully, you know, I'm not write, really writing that many books right now. I'm writing Thor and Original Sin and, and you know, a couple of creator-owned things and then, um, you know, I've done, been done with X-Men for a little bit and the, the other stuff I've, I've got coming later this year, I haven't had to really dive into too much just yet. So I don't have that much stuff going on right now, but just, you know, things get, get tougher sometimes with, with travel. It's hard. I can't write on an airplane okay. and I have to, I have to be sitting in my office or, you know, or in a hotel room or something with dead silence around, no mm-hmm. music, nobody talking. To, to really focus so that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, like, so do you? I mean, do you make like? I mean, are you like a visual guy? Do you have like flow charts? Do you have like notes? Do you have like a Bible for a book like that, Southern Bastards? I mean, is it? I mean, what's your what's your process in that regard? Yeah, is it, yeah, I have lots of notebooks. I'll have, uh, you know, I've got a Thor notebook here where I uh, scroll all sorts of different ideas or get a character notes or notes on settings or I've got pages of of elf names and, and, you know, troll names, um, where I'll spend the whole night and just go down that rabbit hole of, of writing different dwarf names or whatever. Sweet. Uh, but then I also, you know, I just work with a laptop. So I got, I got files and folders on there. So, um, you know, where I'll sketch out the, the next arc of Thor <clears throat> or whatever. So I, I, you know, I always do, um, even though I, I hate doing pitches and, and like formal, formal outlines, um, if I can get a, get away with not doing that, it's awesome. But I always have, you know, at least an outline that only I can understand um, <laughs> when, when I start an arc. You know, like, you know again, especially when you're, um, you know, you're writing stuff out of sequence and you're jumping around from one book to another. You got to know, um, you know, where where the story is gonna. Well, you got to know the major beats for every issue really before you. To start writing anything, which is kind of the way it's always been for me at Marvel. I've never been far enough ahead, you know. I've never been six months ahead on a book. Uh, if I have it, you know, didn't last for very long. So you're always kind of having to to jump around. I mean, I had to do that on Ghost Rider, you know, my first really ongoing gig. So um, you know, I'm having to do that on Thor right now. I mean, I've had to jump a jump ahead to the end of the arc to write the issue that comes right after it before I finish the arc. So um, you're always having to do that. But I, I mean, I haven't had a problem with that just because I'll, you know, at least have those major beats knocked out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I try to kind of work nine to five, but I'm, I'm a, I'm not a morning guy. I'm a late night guy. So my tendency is always want to stay up late and work late and sleep late. Um, so my nine to five usually turns into like, you know, 12 to six and then mm-hmm. do, do some more, do some more work after everybody goes to bed. 
Interesting. Wow. Do you do you ever want to do anything besides comics? You played around with you know prose, or you do a screenplay, or is that just is comics where your where your desire is to to write? Yeah, I mean that's still definitely where my desire is, and that's I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, yeah, I, w- I would love to write a novel at some point. It's just that's a tremendous commitment of time and. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when I'll get to that point where I'm able to step aside, you know, step away from comics for eight months or however long it, you know, takes me to write a novel. Do you um, ever talk to, you know, anyone like, you know, Rucka or I you know like Peter David is, is written, written a few. You ever talk to those guys about, uh, you know, juggling, you know, big, big prose projects with, with comics? I haven't, no. I, yeah, I, I probably would before I would dive into something like that. Um, yeah. But I mean, someday, someday, I, you know, I mean, I, I used to write prose all the time. And back in college, you know, I wanted to grow up to be the next great American novelist, so I was always writing prose. I've got pages and pages of, of unfinished novels that that no one will hopefully ever be able to read. <laughs> um, so, so the I was doing that for a long time. I uh, I was a creative writing. Um, or, uh, not a minor, but I took a lot of creative writing courses in college, so got pages and pages of, of prose. It's just been a long time since I've done it. You know, there's there's an Elmore Leonard sized hole in the world right now that needs film. <laughs> is true. No pressure, right? No pressure. No pre- yeah, no, no. yeah, no pressure there. <laughs> but it, 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 you know, every time I every time I watch Justified, I'm just like, Jason Aaron could write this. This, this mm-hmm. is this is this is his kind of gig. Every time I watch Justified, I I think, uh, uh, well, I'm glad I'm doing Southern Bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're just going to have to promise us that in about six to eight months when that sucker gets optioned, because it's going to, nothing this good is not going to go, somebody's going to scoop this up, and uh, you promise to come back with us. Yeah, that's right. Because I I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whenever you blow up. I, I, it, I promise. I figure Latour is going to get, he's going to get, uh, like De La Soul to perform at uh, San Diego <laughs> at, a, at a suite when you guys blow off from all this Southern Bastards money. And then I don't know what you're going to do. I, I, I haven't figured out your vice yet, but, uh, maybe you could tell me offline. I would probably buy the original Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am. That oh is boy. awesome. <laughs> oh boy. Now you've done it. Uh oh. Wow. There we go. Wow. Yeah. That is great. Uh, (laughs) I gotta say though, reading the first issue, it felt like a really, really great pilot episode for a premium channel show. Like, I I got a strong true detective vibe out of it. In in fact, they could probably share the same soundtrack. A lot, a lot of that music that we heard in True Detective would be great for Southern Bastards. Sure. Yeah. The the Handsome Family did. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you a Handsome Family uh, fan? Yeah, sure. They're awesome. Oh, yeah, I would have. I'm sure I'll put a put a sort of bastard soundtrack online. You know, nice. the time they should come. Great, well, that's if, awesome. If you haven't uh, already, um, since you mentioned Smokey the Bandit, I think we could all universally recommend to you that you check out uh, Butcher Baker, Righteous Maker, by Casey and Huddleston. Because there's a huge Smoking the Bandit aspect to that book, and uh, <laughs> it, 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 even it, that freaking movie. <laughs> but am I wrong? 
You know, but you love that movie. Well, Jason does apparently too. I guess all Jason. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying you're is there, wrong. But is there somebody who doesn't love? I know the nation. Thank you, right? But, uh, but uh, Jason, have you read that yet? I don't know if you've had. A I have to... not. Yeah, I'm familiar with it, but I, you I should have definitely. Yeah. Read it. it's a beautiful well, look, book, it's, but it's it's clever, witty, funny. It's great. Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. a, it's another. Now that you're part of the Image family, I'm sure they could probably swing you a comp of the uh, hardcover. <laughs> time. And that's and and the uh, what I as normally. I get to the end of a book and, and I have whatever feelings I have about it. But while I'm reading Southern Bastards, I, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around the fact that it's, it's being published by Image because I'm so, right, right now I'm on this huge saga and East of West kick and, and Manhattan projects and everything else is so steeped in, in sci-fi or fantasy and, and things like Umbral. And then I get something like Southern Bastards and I'm like, and I have to like double check the cover or, or go back to, to, to Poop Dog and see that it's, it's actually an Image Comics <laughs> Presents book. And it's, it's, I, it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I know that, that you and Jason are, are talented, but I, it, it's just, it's, it's definitely, it's, we'll, we'll sometimes joke about, you know, our, our 11 o'clockers and, and, you know, front runners and things like that. But if, this book is is definitely finding its way somewhere on on my list when it comes to to to, to next year for us to, I mean and and right now it's probably going to make Image a a leading publisher of the year for me. But I just it, I loved your Ghost Rider. I I enjoyed your Wolverine of the X Men, and I came to that a little later than than everybody else. And as I was Slacker. thinking, I know I know, but as I was I was I was thinking about tonight. And as I'm recalling scenes and, and issues of Wolverine and the X-Men, and, and it, it dawned on me that there were definitely some Southern-flavored aspects to that run, whether whether it's it's Dog showing up or just even Logan's um, Logan's attitude towards the school, towards the kids. Because this is I, – I was one of the people who were like, how's this – Mass murderer going to to be the headmaster and and take care of of children, and and just his attitude towards everything about it just struck me as it, it was a southern style of of just of, of this character and not something I've seen from other people. Right, you know, it, it wasn't a Mark Miller version of of Wolverine. It wasn't it wasn't Claremont's Wolverine. It was just and it it really was one of those things where I'll. I might have issues with, with certain creators and, and they don't quite have the character's voice down, but I had absolutely no problem with, with your version of Wolverine. And, and that's probably because of everything else that I've read of yours that just brought me here. It, it, it all just, it all just absolutely worked. And, and I think, um, with Southern Bastards, I'm just, I could expect this from you, but I'm, I was, I put, I, I finished the issue and I just, I want, I want the next one now. <laughs> well, thank you. What yeah. The, and then, you know, and I, I, I like the fact that Southern Bastards is, is different than East to West and Saga and Six Criminals. I, I mean, to yeah. me, I think at, at Image, we, the, there, there are so many different kinds of good books there right now. I think it's really exciting. Um, you know, that's what I've always loved about Vertigo and, and Vertigo and its heyday, you know, you, you, Preacher was a very different book than Why the Last Man, which was very mm. different than 
you know, than Sandman and Hundred Bullets, and so you you had that really rich diversity. So, so I, I like that. I mean, going into Southern Bastards, we didn't really know like what are people going to make of this because there's not really another book at Image we could point to that's you know doing the same sort of thing. So, this is perfect. Um, but but I was excited by that. I, you know, I, I didn't let that uh, certainly stop me from doing the book. So, yeah. I, I think it. It feels like an image book. Like David said, he was surprised, like surprised that he w- it was an image book. Aside from Vertigo and and the climate there is not conducive to a book like this, you know, right now the current climate. I I would not expect anyone other than Image to publish this thing. It just it feels like it fits. That's interesting. It, it, see, I it, it kind of Oni I could see not maybe not as as uh, the may have had to rein in some things a little bit but i that's where i'm thinking when when it comes to this type of book i mean it i'm glad that it's at image and and it and it definitely fits but yeah no i mean just because of everything else i've been reading lately but right. i can see your point vince yeah it's just another great book and an already big catalog bursting with great books i mean they're they're on a roll yep so i got i got a, i got a couple music um um notes for you Got a couple suggestions. Musical notes? Or are you about to start yeah. playing something? No, 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 no. It's some. Just, I hope not. Are you no. play the carry fiddle? a tune to save his life. No, I cannot. It's terrible. Listen, <laughs> um, have you heard a band um, called the Roadkill Ghost Choir? <laughs> no, I, I would remember a band called Roadkill Ghost Choir. Right, Spotify it. Um, I think you. <laughs> I think you'll. Roadkill Ghost Choir. And are you a Gillian Wel- Jillian Welch fan at all? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, check out a band, check out a band called Hooray for the Riff Raff. Okay. And those are, I'm, I'm, I'm putting together my, my Southern Bastards, um, playlist. Yeah. And, and those are on it? Those, those, those are, those are on that. Yeah. Right, right there with, uh, with Drive By Truckers and, uh, um, the, um, oh, gosh. Trying to think, so little eh, probably not Lord Huron. That that's probably a little too, a little too um, clean for for Southern bastards. But uh, yeah, yeah mine, there's... mine has Drive By Truckers and you know Johnny Cash and um, some Ernest Tubb, um, some Slim Cessna's uh, Auto Club. Do you know those guys? No, um, they're a country band out of Denver, I think. Um, some Jason and the Scorchers and oh, absolutely! Old Crow Medicine Show, love them. Fantastic. Chris Chris Knight, who's awesome, he's an amazing songwriter. Um, so yeah, lots of different the uh, country and alt country stuff. We're we're gonna have to um, the Steepwater Band is another one that I've been listening to a little bit. That uh, they're actually out of Chicago. I'll have to I'll have to send you uh, a link to their stuff. There's uh, good country music in Chicago. I don't know, really, Chris. Are you sure? It's it's true. It's true. I I I. Next, you're going to be telling me your pizza is better than New York. Thank you. Oh, yeah. you are the man. <laughs> I will buy everything you write from now on. A hot button, <laughs> Jason. We we. And then we you're going to tell me you've got a good football team. Oh snap. No. No, unfortunately, I won't. I won't. I won't tell you that. But and the best barbecue I've ever had in my life was actually with you. Uh, the place that uh, that Andy uh, took me to there in KC. Which I don't know which place did we go to? 
Oh gosh, we got it for uh, for takeout for actually for uh, fantasy baseball. Draft. Oh yeah, 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 it was uh, uh, Arthur Bryant's, you know. And it was it was it was yummy. So no, I can uh, I cannot uh, I cannot uh, stand on the uh, barbecue or or football team. Uh, our pizza, yeah, um, way better than New York. What about your all right? <laughs> Gizzards, I. I think we've monopolized uh, enough of Mr. Aaron's time. Yeah, Chris just lost all credibility. So no, oh, nice. Okay, the, 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 the last, last one I've got for you. Are you a Lucero fan? Uh, no, I don't think I know who that is. Oh, i got to send you some Lucero. And there is um, uh, the lead singer from Lucero uh, put out a great, uh, a great solo. I'll, I'll email you this the stuff and and uh, and and we'll trade some some music notes. But uh, <laughs> what Lucero, um, they're a great indie kind of a grungy uh, alt country band. But uh, actually did uh, did a song a couple records back uh, about Love and Rockets, and I was just like, oh my gosh! So someone is a is a a comic fan in Lucero. So I'll uh, I'll send you some links. Cool. There you go. Cool. Big thanks, Mr. Aaron. Thank you for being here. No problem. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure, man. Absolutely. So next next time I next time I come back, we'll have to have uh, Latour on too. Oh, nice. That'd be awesome. Maybe I don't said maybe. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to give me more issues of Wolverine and the X Men before I'm willing to have him on. (laughs) So far, so good, though. So far, so good. I've actually been tweeting with him at the, at the last, for the last few minutes. I told him his ears should be ringing because we've been talking about him. I also said you took all the credit for Southern Bastards. So. <laughs> that is true. Yes, I, I like to keep him in his place. You can't let these artists get, get too full of <laughs> There you yeah, go. You actually right. just have – Latour lives in a box in your basement, doesn't he? Right. <laughs> well, you know, I I'm especially want to come down hard on guys who can write and draw. Cause, yeah, because I, I got no fallback. I can't draw worth a damn. So <laughs> that really annoys me when guys can do both of those. So but, I, I, but at least try to you know shake his self confidence as much as I can. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. Well, Thanks Jason, so much, always man. always a pleasure, man. And congratulations on uh, on everything. And uh, and man, just all the all the well deserved uh luck in the in the future with uh with all the success you're getting ready to have with, with new projects. Thanks guys, I appreciate it. Alright. Alright man. Awesome. Thank you. Have sir. a great night man. Alright, you too. Be well. Bye. And that's why comics are awesome. That is why. Yep. Absolutely. One of the many reasons why. But yeah, that one's up there. Yeah. What other Ooh. what other entertainment industry can you know for schmoes like us talk to one of the 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 people that is at the top of of their game it's 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 why wow got a massive status yeah. who is that? that oh for me i don't know i don't think so mm. maybe i am hearing the static though i am Wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, so now we get another half hour talking about more comics. Oh, my ass is going to bed. I, I'm, and go. I'm going to Florida tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Florida. Yeah. 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 I'm taking my trip. So, so, so no, I will not be talking for some, another half hour. Let's do some in your travels. Okay. Yes. Let's. 
As usual, this here Dog and Pony Show has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you, Mr. and Mrs. Comic Book Aficionado, can get your comics, get them cheap, get them fast, get them nice and safely secure and delivered right to your door by a costume custodian of some kind of delivery service, because it changes once in a while. DCBService.com, they're the best in your travels. I want you to fire up your internet viewing device and head on over to iasketchblog.tumblr.com. This thing is called the Imaginary Acquaintances Sketchblog. And that name was coined by Mr. Steve Bryant. So big chunk of salt. Take that with. No, just kidding, Steve. It was started by um, our buddy, Don Cardenas. Oh, nice. And ah. what they what they do is there's a new theme every week. You get new art all week long. The themes are chosen by the artists, and it, it's a sketch blog, which is very, very cool. And the, among the many people they have on this thing, uh, Steve Bryant, Don Cardenas, uh, we got uh, Phil Hester's on there, Max Chater, Jason Copeland, Alex Cormack, Max Dunbar, Adam Gorham. Now I'm going to screw this up, and I'm very sorry. Simone Gulielmini. I screwed it up. Ben Holiday, Joe Hunter, Daniel Warren Johnson, Ryan Kelly, Ryan Lee, Brian Level, Vic Malholtra, Drew Moss, Joe Mulvey, Chris Peterson, and Kareem Whalen. That's a lot of people on this blog. So uh, go over there and look at the good art, iasketchblog.tumblr.com. They're great. Awesome. Um, yes, and... And read Roses of Berlin for the art, not the story, because there's not much of it. Wow, really? Do you finish it? I have not finished it yet. I thought Mr. Moore, uh, very lightweight for Mr. Moore. Interesting. Well, I'm looking forward yes. to uh, I'm going to read it on the plane tomorrow. So, yeah. uh, Con- Concepts are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Story, kind of thin. Okay. Kind of thin. All right. Yeah. I've been, uh, we'll see. You, you know, it's beautiful uh, to look at, mm-hmm. but... Um, my In Your Travels is going to kind of fall back on the conversation we had a couple weeks ago where we got into Jeff Lemire's uh, Green Arrow, and I am, nice. I'm about eight issues into it, and it is everything that Jason was saying it was. It is... Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Keep going. What? <laughs> I just keep talking. What? Because cause David's going to be like, yeah, because I never mentioned it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but David, we yeah, were but, talking about yeah, the but. TV show, and Jason kind of took over with the comic, and and he did. So, and that's um, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's great. I, I, I I'm it enjoying is. every second of it. So, uh, when the hell did you ever care about Green Arrow? I mean, come on. Um, it's been a long time well, since we cared about Green Arrow. Yeah, you know, honestly, for me, probably since Identity Crisis. Maybe um, Kevin Smith. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Andy, the Andy Phil stuff. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even I don't call that the Kevin Smith run. That's the it's Andy and Phil or Phil and Andy. Right. But yeah, but it started with Kevin Smith. Yeah. So I was, yeah. I was hopping. Yeah. That's but. You know, retros- I, I like it because because of their art. Um, not that it wasn't a, a great story, but uh, but yeah, the the new the new Green Arrow, which started out with the issue what seventeen? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, 
fantastic. I, I how much that and that is a question. How much uh, of the first sixteen issues? Okay, should, should I go back? I'll, and... I'll say it again. I'll say it again because I, I I love I I do I do absolutely love that Jason blew past me and what I was caught up with. I, I have absolutely no problem with that. And if if Chris wants to you know credit Jason with it, then then hey, as long as he's fucking reading it, okay, he finally read Ghost Rider, so I don't give a shit. Uh, I was like, here comes the fucking Ghost Rider reference. So you you if you want to read any of the first sixteen issues of Green Arrow, then tomorrow do me a favor when you're on the plane, open the fucking door and jump out. Yeah. Oh, they're that good. It is. It is. It. It kind of starts off maybe sort of cool with the Jurgens writing and 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 the Jurgens and Perez art, and then Anasenti does some weird fucking oh. shit, and the art is okay. But what I love, because I read up to issue twenty eight, is there are in in issue twenty eight the, the, this current Outsiders War where where. Uh, Lemire was actually kind of tidying up what happened in the first 16 issues and basically explained why things happened and, and what Ali had to go through in those first 16 issues to get to where he is during the Outsiders War. And it, it just, Lemire made sense of things and he, he basically, instead of them giving him a new number one and him going, okay, you know, here's issue 17, this is where you're taking over, he, he basically just took all the crap that was laid before he took over and, and is making sense of it all. So you do not have to read. 17 is your number one issue. Just read okay. 17 no, that's on fun. That's and you're fun. good. That's where, I, that's where I started. Yes. Perfect. Nice. You're good. All right. You're I'm so in. Good. And it's, and it's, so and it's really good. And it is, <laughs> and it's, it, it looks awesome. It is, you know, it's, it's, I, um, I read up the, I, cause I was, um, again, with, with, with Hassan when he asked me if, if, what issue I was up to and, and I, I told him that Jason, Jason talked about it last week and we were, um, basically just going over a couple of things and, and there were some things in the last couple issues that were really, if, if you're an older Green Arrow fan, um, going back to Neil Adams and Jim Paro and things like that and, and, and it was, it was, um, there were some neat things to see in this new 52 version of the character. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you, Chris, and I'm with Jason, you know, read Green Arrow, definitely. <laughs> do look, do so, like they say. I am tickled right now. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. Oh, welcome to my world, Oh, boo. shit. Oh, tonight was fun. Um, in your travels, uh, be on the lookout for a newly announced book. Which makes me all sorts of happy for lots of reasons. Um, the book in question is going to be called Grayson, as in Dick Grayson. Yes. And it is, uh, I, I, as we've talked about, I don't think any of us are reading Forever Evil. July, but, right? July comes out, it starts? I think that's right. Okay. Um, July 2nd, I believe. Um, I have no idea what's going on with Forever Evil, but apparently Nightwing is a key character in the book, so I make no commentary about that. All I know is they're rebooting Nightwing into this book, Grayson, where Dick is a undercover super spy for a, uh, a spy agency called Spiral, which was created by Grant Morrison in his Batman run. And the the really exciting news is that um, – well, first of all, in art chores is uh, Michael Janin, Janine, 
who's uh, done some some work um, uh, on Justice League uh, and the like at at DC, and I, I've seen some of his stuff, and it's beautiful. But but really more exciting are um, the fact that it's being co-written, first of all, by Mr. Tim Seeley, a uh, good buddy of ours and former mm-hmm. guest. And his co-writer, which is the the really exciting part, is our good buddy Tom King uh, of the No Apologies yes. podcast fame. Tom has, uh, you know, is a, is a published author with Once a Crowded Sky, um, and has a few th- comic credits under his uh, under his belt. Uh, I think most recently the uh, the uh, DC anthology about time travel. But you know, it, we know from 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 knowing Tom personally that this has been a uh, you know a a Lifelong quest to become a, you know, a regular big two comics writer. And this is, you know, a big step in that direction. So I'm really excited for him and for Seeley. And I hope it's a smashing success. So it will be. Let's hope so. And, um, in your travels, go see Captain America to Winter Soldier. Oh, hills to the air. And if I'm being fair, while it's still plenty of stuff to nitpick, I think. Marvel Agents of Shield did a really brilliant thing. Tying Don't say anything. Don't say anything. No, no, no. no. I, okay. Tying the second half of the season <laughs> so tightly into the Captain America movie. That was a really <laughs> smart thing and a non-trivial thing because I, I don't think it's all that easy to produce a serialized TV show on its schedule and then a major motion picture and so perfectly tie in the continuity. So I give them a lot of credit for that. Um, it, it's It's... Put it this way: the TV show is still uh, pales in comparison from a quality level to the film, but but I have I must be honest and say that I'm enjoying the the last few episodes that tie into this a lot more than I had been enjoying the series up to that point. So I'm glad I'm glad you nice. came around, though. There you go. Nice. All right, we done. Oh yeah. Once again, thank you, Jason Aaron. For for wasting your time with us, it was the best <laughs> the best couple hours we've had in in a while. And, and thanks uh, to thanks to Ron Richards as well, because because Ron made this who? happen. You who? <laughs> I know, that guy. I know. But I got to be real. He, he 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 gave us a big assist on this one. So yeah, he's the best fellow. And uh, it's not all bad. <laughs> once again, thank you for being here. Join us next week, same place you found this. Uh, and as always, because we love you so much, big hugs. Big, big, big hugs. hugs. And, Huge. And a couple of rounds. Yep. All tugs. All tugs. Couple months, Jason Aaron's going to be snorting caviar off uh, Emma Stone's belly with uh, Kirkman. That's how rich he's going to be. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's going to explode. It's going to get option. It's going to get a TV series. It's going to be huge. Let's hope it's and a good Kirk's- comic. First issue is going to be going for scads of money. So get in on it. You know what you need now. to do? You need to get that DCBS variant cover, that exclusive. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Mm-hmm. There you go. So do what Jason says. And just like he said, read it, Green Arrow, yep. and, and get your <laughs> And like Chris suggests, wow. get the Jason Aaron on the bus of Ghost Rider stories. Yes, I need to get that. And also, and as need- I've been saying, read, read the Deathstroke uh miniseries from the <laughs> <laughs> Alright. We're out there. Shut we up. love you. Bye bye. Peace out. See ya. Love you.